Okay. Anyways, fifth, back at it again for fifth the fifth try. time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start over again. Mm-hmm. What is your name? All right, I'm gonna introduce myself for the fifth time, and <laughs> this is the last time. Yeah, this will be the first time that anyone listening is gonna hear it. Uh, I am Marcus Seidel, and I am. Let's just make this easier. I'm a personal trainer. <laughs> uh, I do contest prep for bodybuilders and fitness competitors. That's the primary source of my income. But I also, like I said, which I shouldn't say like I said because nobody else has heard this yet. Uh, I do personal training and nutrition for the general population as well. Really anybody who wants to lose body fat or gain muscle mass, I'm your guy. So that's that's what I do for a living. It's not who I am, but it's what I do. <laughs> well, yeah, and I we talked. It's so hard because I feel like we've talked about so many things. So it's like, what have we talked about on here, and what have we talked about not on? Well, nothing on here, I guess. So, anyways, the annoying <laughs> thing is that we basically just have to redo the whole conversation <laughs> that you and I have already had. Yeah, which is really stupid because so, like we already did this. Yeah, for reference, we recorded a two and a half hour podcast and it only recorded five minutes of it so (laughs) and that was like a month ago or something so with this is all this is really retarded but (laughs) hey you know what it is what it is it's fine yeah it'll be good but anyways what was i gonna say oh yeah before i like actually met you in person like obviously i didn't know anything about you and you talked about this too like people think that you're just like this big like fitness meathead guy (laughs) that's exactly what people think and dude i think that goes for anybody what you put like in today's society a lot of things are just focused on your social media because a majority of people's social media they they, what they do is they kind of just put their life out there on their social media page and i think the assumption as a consumer of someone else's social media is just that this is who they are. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of cases, that that is the case. Like, if you just have a personal account and you're just posting things about your life, you can kind of get to know what a person's like and who they are and all that. Mine being a business page, it's exclusively for the purposes of promoting my business. And so, yeah, I, I understand. I don't have a problem with people drawing that conclusion that I'm just like this fucking meathead weightlifter, bodybuilder, muscle flexor guy because... <laughs> That's what they see. Yeah. Um, I do trickle in some, you know, content of my dogs and some other, you know, just some other stuff, especially on my story. My story's not very business focused. Mm-hmm. I do that kind of deliberately because the, the actual posts that I make are 90% business related. Here's my client. Here's their progress. Here's my progress. You know, here's how to do this lift correctly. Here's how, you know, how to eat for this result or, uh, or whatever. But if you look at my stories, there's a lot more personal stuff on there, but either way, people get this perception that like my whole world revolves around weightlifting and nutrition mm-hmm. and really very little of my thoughts are consumed by that. Like if you look at my, just to keep it on the topic of social media, my search page, there's all the, there's hardly any bodybuilding on my search page. Right. Uh, there's a, like a little bit trickled in there cause I do, you know, occasionally consume some of that stuff, but it's mostly like music stuff and 
sports stuff and fashion stuff, sneaker stuff, um, dog stuff. I mean, it's all stuff that's like my search page is a lot bigger indication of who I actually am as a person, but nobody sees that but me. Right. Which is fine. Again, it's totally like I don't care. And that's why I started my own podcast was to be able to have an opportunity to have discussions about things other than just fitness. Right. So anyway. Well, and your other Instagram account now, too. Correct. Yeah. So my 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 podcast, I'm not trying to, like, promote my podcast. on. No, here. go for it's it. It's not the point. But it's called Sidetracked. It's called Sidetracked. <laughs> it's a play on words with my last name. So it's spelled S-E-I-D, like my name, Seidel, S-E-I-D-E-L. Sidetracked is, um, that's the name of the podcast, and that's my social Instagram handle as well. Um, so, yeah, the Instagram for Sidetracked is all a lot more, like, if you look at that page, that's more like me as an individual. I don't really post any bodybuilding shit on there, because... Otherwise, it would just be the same thing as my other page. Right. Only it would get way less engagement, so it would be a huge waste of time. So, <laughs> so how did you get started in bodybuilding? So, I'll try to keep this as short as I can, because I could make this a really long answer. <laughs> um, bodybuilding is something that since I was, I mean, legitimately before I actually even have memories. I'm talking like when I was like three years old, I was fascinated by it. I didn't know uh, that it, I didn't even know that it was bodybuilding. I was just fascinated by strength and muscle. I just thought it was cool. I was fascinated by it. My dad used to lift weights. We had like a pretty decent weight set for the the late 80s, early 90s in our basement. And he would work out down there in our neighbor. Uh, he would come over every morning and him and my dad would train together. And I would, all, you know, as like a little kid, I would go and, and like just hang out with them while they lifted and I was like obsessed with it. And uh, so when we would go to the grocery store and stuff, and this lasted all throughout my entire childhood, um, when we would go to like the grocery store and stuff, I would just like leave my parents and go to the magazine section and like, and look through the, you know, the muscle magazines. I was obsessed with it. Like I said, I just thought it was so cool. And, you know, you obviously can't get into body, like you can't start competing when you're like a little kid. So, Sports were really my like I played soccer, I played baseball, I played basketball um, at a very high level. But as a kid, that's what you can get into. You can, I started playing soccer when I was like four or five years old. Yeah. And basketball was directly after that, and you know baseball and whatever. And so my focus was on the sports, but I would always like wanted to be this big muscle head. Like even yeah. as like a little kid, I just always wanted to be what I called a muscle man. <laughs> okay, really quick though, yeah. I was just saw the sailor. I just was like reading this thing the other day about that kid that they called him like little Hercules yeah, or whatever. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, that kid is, uh, he's a little younger than me, but he's like probably He's probably around 30 now, but he's like not into that stuff anymore at fuck all. No, because he but was, they like messed up his body. Didn't yeah, they? They messed up his body and his head. Like they, yeah. his parents like forced him into, yeah. into doing all that stuff. Yeah, I was. I remember that like it was yesterday. They uh, they they got him into all kinds of different forms of martial arts. Um, they had him on this like very strict stretching regimen. He was lifting weights from the time he was like three, four years old. Yeah, there's no way they didn't give him steroids. No, they for sure did. Okay, I think yeah. they definitely did. Yeah, I'd be shocked. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, the kid, he looked like a 
like a miniature pro bodybuilder, like yeah. as like a little kid. It kind of freaks me out. It's like, re- it's really strange. But um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember he was on uh, the Howard Stern show, and it was just so fucking funny because he was a foreign kid. I think he was like Russian. Yeah. I mean, he lived in the U.S. I they, mean, like, brought him to L.A., I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been in movies and stuff when he was a little kid. He, yeah, because, like, I think they may have even made an actual Hercules movie or something. And there was obviously scenes where Hercules was a kid. And they actually <laughs> used him as the kid, uh, which was perfect because he lo- literally looked like that. Yeah. But so weird. Really weird, for sure. Like, I was... He was conditioned to be that way yeah yeah. i just like wanted to be that way <laughs> i didn't do that right because i was too busy playing real sports but i always had it kind of in the back of my mind that like when at some point in my life when i got done playing sports which basketball ended, ended up being the sport that i played in college and everything that was a sport that i continued with the longest uh that i was it was never necessarily something I thought I was going to compete in. I just wanted to get big. Mm -hmm. And then once I was in college playing basketball, I kind of made my mind up because I followed, at that point I was following professional bodybuilding really diligently. I had a subscription to Flex Magazine. I was reading everything and um, I kind of made the decision that once I get done playing, I'm going to actually not only get big, I'm going to take a couple years to grow and get big and then I'm going to actually compete and and I did it. I went through with it, and I did it, and I've been doing it for over a decade now. And it's now my, you know, my entire my career, my mm-hmm. entire profession. So. So, what was your major in college? Business, business administration. Yeah. So then you just like learned all this stuff outside of. Yeah, yeah. I learned. I everything was self education. I I never I, I never took any. I mean, other than, like, prerequisite stuff, like, mm-hmm. I never took any nutrition classes or any training, like, any, uh, like, kinesiology. I didn't take any of that kind of stuff. To be honest with you, like, I learned a lot of that stuff organically through, because I always lifted, mm-hmm. even, like, in high school, I, I was very consistent with lifting. And, again, some of it was a lot different than bodybuilding because I was lifting more for functionality for sports. Mm-hmm. But I learned a lot. I had a personal trainer some of my junior year and throughout my entire senior year of high school uh where everything was like I still have my my uh binder of all the it was everything was really well documented my diet my everything so I was living the lifestyle of a bodybuilder even when I was playing basketball Mm -hmm. and it was a lot of stuff that I just learned organically and then of course just self-education of of um you know reading and watching videos and all kinds of stuff on my own so all of my knowledge came and I, and here's the other thing. If I had gone to school for, you know, whether it would be exercise science or whatever, or nutrition science or whatever, I I honestly don't know that I would even be doing what I'm doing now, or I don't think that I would know what I know now. Learning things in a classroom setting, Mm -hmm. fucking it's weird because I'm one of those people that like school is not for me. I did it anyway because it was paid for, but, uh, is it going? Are we still going? We're still we're, okay, we're golden. We're good. <laughs> um, I just did it because it was free, and mm-hmm. I hated every second of it. And like it's school, fucking, I hated school. Yeah, but I did it, and I got you know I got my bachelor's, and I never looked back. Well, do you think your business 
major like helped you no. run your own business now? No, it did nothing. <laughs> it was, it's a <laughs> fucking piece of paper that I don't even physically have. I have no idea where my diploma even is. I've never seen it. Yeah. And I it did nothing for me whatsoever. <laughs> uh, you just got to play basketball. I played basketball. And I, I can say that I have a college degree, which is yeah. thumbs up, guys. Um, yeah, that's funny. People ask me all the time, they're like, what do you go to school for? I'm like, soccer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my entire schedule was based around basketball practice, and yeah, I went to school for basketball. Yeah, same. I don't, yeah, I say this all the time. I don't know if I would actually be in college if I didn't play soccer because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I switched my major, I can't even tell you how many times. Like, yeah. Well, did this this year, I mean, I think we're technically the same generation. Obviously, I'm much older, but the people that are around your age, even slightly older than you, and, and especially the people younger, formal education is becoming, I won't say obsolete, but way less important than it used to be. Uh, there's just every single thing that you can ever learn in any textbook from any dipshit teacher is on YouTube, Google. It's all, it's literally all there. And yeah. people like laugh about that and joke about that. Like, oh yeah, did you get your college degree on Google? And I'm like, actually, yes. Yes. Like there's <laughs> literally nothing you can learn in a classroom that you cannot learn on the internet on your own. And if you're going out of your way to, to, to learn these things and don't get me wrong like if you're an idiot you're highly likely to read a bunch of misinformation and bad mm-hmm. stuff and learn stuff that's completely incorrect totally true i'm not gonna i'm not doubting that but there's also information in the classroom that you're gonna learn that's bullshit right and again people joke about it but at the same time it's like do you think that you in like a college classroom setting have some private information that no one else has access right. to the difference is you paid a lot of money for it or your scholarship may have paid a lot of money for it either way like you know the the guidance and and things like that is is valuable especially if you have good professors Mm -hmm. i had a handful of decent professors and then i had a lot of professors that fucking sucked Mm -hmm. and either way by the when you're in college this is my thoughts on college when you're there you're there because you're required to be there and you're so much less likely to actually want to learn the information you're being taught. You're being taught information that they're forcing on you, so to yeah. speak. You're not you're not going into a classroom and telling the professor, "Hey, I want to learn about movement patterns within, you know, for uh, you know, the development of your posterior chain." And then then that's the whole lesson. Mm-hmm. It's not what it is. Right. You'd be more, you know, more motivated to learn that information if you already want to know that information. But Definitely. if you're just showing up in a classroom and getting thrown shit that may or may not be relevant, it's like, okay, I, when the fuck is this over? And yeah. Well, and I'm absolutely a hands-on learner. Yes. Like 100%. And I've learned, I'm, I have an internship right now and I've learned so much, but also like my one professor, I have him for like three classes. He's awesome. And he's cool because he has done so much like with his photography, like he has taken pictures in like South Africa and like done like cool shit. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like I want to learn from you. For sure. Other, like other professors. No, like right. it doesn't, you know. I don't well, know. That's another thing to consider is it's like 
if you, you know you're in school for your major is photography yes mm-hmm. so if you're being taught photography by people who are college professors like why are they not doing photography right it's the same thing if i'm learning about business from people who are college professors like what do they know about business are they involved in any form of business right or did they just learn from someone just like them and they're just regurgitating more fucking information according to some syllabus yeah that may or may not actually be relevant exactly or yeah him telling us like this is how i got this job this is how i did this you know like real life experience that he's sharing whereas other people don't really do that and they're just like this is what you should do for sure you know and like i said i had some good professors too that that were entrepreneurs or people who owned businesses or who had the you know that had certain experiences that made them in my eyes qualified to teach this course yeah that's why most adjunct professors are way better than like the actual salaried professors the problem is the adjunct professors don't make nearly as much money exactly well that's not true in every case but you know yeah a lot of time because then these other people are out doing their actual job and then coming to wherever to teach about what they did during their day job right you know they probably make as much or more money combined with whatever other career they right right but they don't, you know, they don't have the benefits and things of a full-time professor and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with you there. If you're just like a full-time professor teaching blank course, what experience do you really have in that yeah. topic other than you learned it from another professor before Yeah, you? unless you're just like a retired person from your actual job and then, you know, whatever. And that could be, yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's but, true too. Yeah, well, and it's funny too, I was talking, I don't know who I was talking to that about this the other day, but... Like, just the amount of things that I've learned from fucking TikTok is stupid. (laughs) And it's so so embarrassing to say. I'm like, yeah, I learned the little word dictation thing on Microsoft Word. Right. That you don't have to, like, type your whole paper. Like, you can literally speak into your computer and it'll type it for you. Where was that? Like, Actually, I didn't even know that existed. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> insane. You press a button, and then you just speak to it, and then it types it out as you speak. Jesus. Yeah, we didn't have that when I was when Well, then was I'm there. like, how long has this been around? Like, is this a new thing, or was I just missing out on this my whole entire academic career? And I just found out about it in my fifth year of college. As you're about to graduate, <laughs> now you like, don't have to what? write papers anymore. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know, but you're right. There, are, again, you can fucking learn anything, anywhere. So it's like, and it's also it, it's really not just that. Like, getting jobs and doing whatever it is that you want to do for a living is becoming less and less reliant on a college degree too. Like, mm-hmm. I actually, I have one of my closest friends. She just took a new job as a recruiter for financial advisors. She works with finance for this finance company, and and her her bonus structure is based off of how many people she hires, and she gets commission, basically like a referral check for every uh, financial advisor that ends up getting hired by the company, and it's a pretty substantial amount of money. So she's like, I gotta find fucking people, and she's like asking me to help her get people, and I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, and so. The, literally today, there's a girl that I know that I thought would she. Her and I had a conversation. She's younger. She's probably not much older than you. A couple years older than you, maybe. Mm-hmm. But 
her and I just talked recently. She's a bartender, and she's just like, I've, I've not, I'm just not passionate about what I do. She's like, I'm almost borderline embarrassed about what I do when I talk to people about, when people ask me what I do for a living, I feel weird telling them I'm a bartender. Like, people don't take me seriously. I'm not passionate about it. I want to do something else, blah, blah, blah. And she, and I know her personally. She's a really awesome girl. She's just very energetic and driven, and she's a really good looking girl. She's very likable. And I'm just like, dude, Duh. So like I got her and, and my friend in contact with each other and I don't, you know, I don't know for sure that she's going to get hired, but she might. Um, and the first thing I asked my friend was, I was like, what are the qualifications necessary? Cause I'm not going to waste my time getting you people right. that require whatever degree if they don't have it. And she was like, no, like a college degrees. Not, I mean, it would look good, but she's like, it's not necessary. Like mm-hmm. if they can do the, if they can do the job and I, and I, you know, the company has reason to believe that they could be successful. It doesn't matter if they have a college degree. 10, 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't even get considered. Like, right. you had to have a college degree. So, not only is so much more information literally at your fingertips to where you can learn anything without sitting in a classroom setting and getting yourself into shitloads of debt. But employers are a lot less likely to require it anymore anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing like with what you do or what I do. Nobody, nobody is going to be like, well, let me see your photography degree before I hire you. They <laughs> yeah, they're going to say, look at like, let me work. see your pictures. Yeah. yeah. They just want to see your work. And if your work looks good, they don't give a fuck if you have a diploma. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with me. I've never once, you know, and I mean, I've been coaching people for seven, eight years, never once had anyone ask me if I could prove that I have a college degree in something relevant to Mm -hmm. what I do. They just see what I've done with other people and they may have a conversation or ask questions about how I approach doing what I do for them. And it just is what it is. Never once has anyone asked me to prove my qualifications. Right. So there's another thing I was talking to my uh, massage therapist lady today. She's fucking awesome first of all um just like w- in what she does and as a human being but um she found out that i guess schools in italy whenever kids are around 12 ish they pick a specialty to go into and like you still have like your core classes and everything too but say like a kid wants to go into baking or like yeah. something random then they'll go to hospitality high school and like they'll still have like math and science and whatever but then they'll have like their baking and their you yeah. know whatever and like the other time and i'm like what well first of all my obvious first question was well what if i change my mind right. <laughs> or like what if i don't know what i want to do uh because that's my life anyways but yeah that's cool and i think a lot of th- you can learn a lot of things from doing that and I think a lot of things I didn't learn in high school anywhere college anything right I didn't learn about taxes I didn't learn about like no, no 401ks I didn't learn about any of that shit unless you're going to school for that specifically you're not going to I didn't Dude, learn any of that shit my, either we had a personal finance class we literally had a workbook of like balancing your checkbook and we would watch that um like the Oprah segment on her, like helping people with their finances. That's literally what we did. What a joke. (laughs) Well, and this is what I was going to say, and I I don't know this. I don't have this information in front of me, but I I guarantee you, if we did a little research on this, if there's anyone on the live video right now, it looks like there's a couple maybe. 
look this up. I guarantee you, you said it was Italy. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I guarantee you, they probably have a better education system than we do. Everywhere does. Yeah, we are exactly. Everything that we're doing is extremely archaic. <laughs> um, and and it was like you said, you're like a hands-on learner. Yeah. I, I'm not really any way that you teach in a classroom setting just not for me that's another reason school i hated schools because i never fucking learned anything Mm -hmm. like i it's just not how i learn and there's i think probably well over 50 percent of people are that way where they learn and everyone learns in different various different ways Mm -hmm. and we're trying to make it so that we all learn in this one way where we sit in a big classroom and one person is talking to us and writing things on a board and you just have to take notes and remember it. And then that's just, that's memorization. Oh, that's not even, you're not learning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's a, and I say this all the time in, in what I do, you see, and, and that's what becomes very misleading on social media. There's a lot of people out there that can watch a YouTube video, memorize certain facts about that YouTube video, informational YouTube video, and then go make a post on Instagram that makes them look like they really know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm -hmm. When in reality, they're just regurgitating something they learned 14 minutes ago. And it's by the time it's posted, they've already forgotten half of that shit and they don't know how to apply it in real life. So there's a lot of people that have become really good at looking like they're like they're good at being a contest prep coach because of information that they're posting publicly mm-hmm. when in reality they don't know what the fuck they're talking about at all they just heard someone else say it and regurgitated it and again in a classroom setting that's what people fall into it's like i need to memorize the shit that this teacher said all the way until i can pass a test on it and then i can forget it for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. it's not going to be relevant that's me. I mean, I'm not I'm not criticizing anyone. That's exactly my right. entire college experience. Yeah. I learned a ton of stuff that I immediately forgot the minute I turned that test in. Mm-hmm. And as long as I got a C on it, I was happy as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this is a topic we didn't discuss at all on the last yeah. one. You know what I was just thinking, though, too, whenever you said, like, anybody on the live video looked that up? We need, like, a Jamie on... Yes, we do. The Joe Rogan. <sighs> yeah, if, if someone would just want to do that for free, it'd be wonderful. <laughs> if someone wanted to just sit Any on the other takers? side of the <laughs> I already got her editing my podcast for free, so I guess I'll just try to con some other young kid into doing shit. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Um... Yeah. So anyway, that's my story on how I got into bodybuilding and I don't know. And why I hate school. Yeah. (laughs) Why both both of us do. Yeah. At least I've been done for a long time and you're about to be. Almost. So close. But yeah, another thing about school too, though, is like I, especially in high school, I miss so much like towards my junior and senior year. I miss so much school. Like I for like mental health reasons and Mm -hmm. blah 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 but everything that i missed i learned by myself Mm -hmm. like (laughs) yeah because you're able to you're able to comprehend information when you're learning it the way that makes sense for you and when you have to do it on your own you're going to find out you're going to find ways to learn it Mm -hmm. when you're sitting in a classroom setting you're being forced to learn it this one specific way and if you don't get it you're shit out of luck. And that's, I, I, it's one of the craziest things to me is if you look at 
the most successful people in the world, there's a large, I don't know the percentages, I have no clue off the top of my head, but I think a, a large number of, of the most successful people on the planet are people who don't have formal education yeah, or who, who went that route because they thought they needed to. And then they dropped like Mark Zuckerberg, for example, yeah, dropped out of Harvard. Cause he was like, fuck this. This is a waste of my fucking time. I already know all this stuff. I know more than these fucking people do. I'm going to go start this multi-billion dollar business. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, I guess those people don't really count. He doesn't count. He's a genius. So he didn't need to learn. He already knew, <laughs> but like, but either way, like I think a lot of very successful people, when you're in school, you get pigeonholed into what grades do you, what grades do you get? Where do you rank in your class? What did you get on this or mm-hmm. that test? And we all had this perception when we're young that like, oh, they got a 32 on their ACT. They're brilliant. Yeah. Or they got straight A's. You know, they you know, they graduated with a 4.0 GPA. They're super smart. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people I know that got straight A's in school and did well on tests that are not doing shit anymore. Yeah. You know, and I know a lot of people who were like me. I I graduated high school. I think my cumulative GPA for over 4 years was like 1.9, <laughs> maybe 2. Point. I might have brought it up my senior year to like right around 2.0 which like any parent would be disgusted by that my parents were hated the fact that i i got shit grades but then you went to missouri s&t on that because i was a basketball player yeah but missouri s&t we literally when i went to lindenwood when we played their team those bitches okay i'm not gonna say that because they weren't bitches they were probably very nice people but they (laughs) they would like for their little breakout thing, you know, like people get together like, okay, on three, like yeah. team, whatever. They would say the numbers of pi. Of course they did. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's why I went to Rala for one year. Missouri S&T used to just be called yeah. Missouri Rala. But uh, yeah, that's why I didn't last long. Yeah. With that kid in your class that had the... <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I can tell that story real quick. So to give you an idea of what my freshman year of college was like, I was going to one of the most prestigious engineering schools in the country. I was not there for engineering. I was there for business, like I mentioned, which was basically the only majors you had were like business, which was pretty new when I went there. They didn't even have that a couple years prior. There was, I think, biology and then any different form of engineering that's Mm -hmm. those were your only majors um and again they they gave me the you know they gave me a really good offer um whatever so i was just like fuck it yeah i'm gonna take it and i went to school there and i'm gonna be a business major at an engineering school (laughs) and dude prop i mean i don't regret it because i actually have a lot of cool memories from there and i've made a couple some a couple of my like really really close friends um, that I still keep in touch with today went there with me and were miserable with me. But <laughs> it's just like, think of the show, the big bang theory, except remove the comedy from it and the laugh tracks. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was surrounded with. It was just like really, really intellectual, but socially awkward, strange people that were just so much more intelligent than I was from a math and science perspective, but had zero social skills. Yeah. Uh, They're not to be a piece of shit, but there's not a lot of attractive, physically attractive people in that setting. (laughs) 
which was a huge change of pace. It was like 70% male, which is completely the opposite of like any university. It's usually predominantly females. We had like no girls in the school. And anyway, uh, it was, and our basketball team was atrocious. So all of the sports there pretty much um, were really bad. Like they're, they're big. They had a solar car team. That was like their biggest. You're kidding. Oh, they were like national champions or some shit. I don't even know. I'm pretty sure before I went to Webster, they were national champion. Uh, and they were national champions in chess, I think. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Exciting stuff. <laughs> but he, that's what I mean. It was like that was the thing that they were most excited about. Whereas you go to most schools and it's like, yeah, the basketball team or the football yeah, team yeah. or whatever. No, they didn't give a shit about that. They gave a shit about science stuff. Um, it just was not for me. So I had to get the hell out of there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I got a 24 on my ACT, which is pretty good. You know, it didn't matter. I was a business student, and I was a good basketball player. So they mm-hmm. got they got me in, basically. If Honestly, if I hadn't been a basketball player, I might not have even been able to, to get in. Right. So I probably wouldn't have been able to get in. But... You do have some advantages as an athlete. That's for sure. Yeah, th- there's definitely that. But anyway. Okay, but the story with that guy is oh, that's yeah. the reason why you like were like I'm done with this place, right? Kind of. I mean, that was a contributing factor. But yeah, I had a psychology. <laughs> it was psychology 101, and actually, my one of my best friends, Dan. He he's from and st- now lives still lives in Chicago now. Um, him and I. He was my roommate and basketball teammate. Uh, we took that class together. It was in like a big kind of an auditorium style. So there was a lot of students Mm -hmm. and a lot of the engineering students like just needed a couple of like the prerequisite classes toward the end of their, you know, like juniors and seniors that were like, all right, I guess I'll take the stupid psychology class. But him and I were sitting there and there was this kid that, you know, when you're in a, I don't know if this is the case for you. Like when you're in a physical classroom, even though you don't have like assigned seats when you're in college, you usually kind of just gravitate towards oh, for the same sure. spot. Yeah. Okay. That's how we were, I guess. So I guess that hadn't changed. <laughs> but there was this kid that sat in front of us every time and he was really small. And he was like, when I say socially awkward, I mean, he was terrified to have a conversation with anyone. Poor guy. Yeah. He had like super, like he is like the stereotypical nerd. Like hair was a mess, wore the same boring looking clothes every day, had really (laughs) thick glasses, acne everywhere. He was tiny. Like he was a really, really small person. And he was just had the most meek personality like he just kept was just afraid of everything and everyone he just sat and kept to himself and dan my buddy from chicago is the polar fucking opposite of that dan is like i'm a pretty extroverted person dan is like on he's on 10 all Mm -hmm. the time like he just wants to fucking bullshit with everybody (laughs) he sells real estate in chicago and he fucking kills it out there yeah i bet yeah and so he just wanted to talk to everybody. And so this kid's sitting in front of us and he has this thing in his hand. The only way to really describe it is it looked, since a lot of these people that are listen, going to listen have no idea what I'm even referring to when I say this, but he had something that looked like a Palm Pilot, if anyone knows what that even is anymore, because now that's way outdated. But, I mean, imagine something that looked like 
what are those bi- those calculators we all u- used to have to have? I don't know if you guys still like need the big, them. huge ones. Yeah, the like T. Oh, T nine, whatever. Whatever. No, it that's T nine texting. That's what right. I'm thinking. <laughs> Same time period. Uh, <laughs> either way, it looked like a big, just like a big calculator, but it had its own little stylus, and he would like type on it and shit. And I had never seen anything like it. Dan had never seen anything like it. And of course, Dan just like leans over, like puts his head right next to this guy's head. He's like, hey man, what is that? <laughs> and the guy turned around was ter- petrified. Like, jumps. like, oh my God. <laughs> and he turned around and he was like, it's my computer. And Dan's like, well, yeah, like, but like, where did you get that? I've never seen anything like that before. And he just looked back at Dan and he just goes, I made it. <laughs> We're like, you what? He was like, I programmed it myself. I made it. I created this. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're in the wrong place. Like, we, Dan was just like me, business student, didn't get good grades. We were like the fuck ups of that school. <laughs> we were both just like, dude, we got to go. Why are we here? This is not for us. Oh, my God. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. It was, that was like a really eye opening experience. That I'm kid's like, probably a multi billionaire now. I guarantee it. Yes. I guarantee it. Cause it was literally like, we, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But we, we're in there like struggling to get through these classes. And these people are in there just like, they're not fucking, they don't care because they're going to get a, they know all of the information and then 10 times more than this professor already does about a topic that they've never even attempted to learn. They just know it. I don't really have any way to explain how that works, (laughs) but these genius minds, they just know things that they've never even actively attempted to learn. Yeah. They're just like genetic anomalies. You know, it's like the mental aspect of the bodybuilder who's never done a show before and just started lifting weights and doesn't really take it seriously, but they already look like a fucking pro. Yeah. There's no explanation for it. They're just, their DNA is genetics, yeah. Yeah. It's the easiest, the the way to make it really easily understandable to people is like if when you, if you've ever seen a person who's seven feet tall, have you ever seen a seven footer? Mm. I don't know, actually. Not probably not in person. Yeah, close to it though, but not. Obviously, as a basketball player, I used to see it all the time. But um, even when I do, it's still just like, holy shit! That yeah. hum- that's a human. That's a long human. Yeah, they're just they're just they're a genetic anomaly. Like it's it's freaky to see a person who's seven feet tall, but you can conceptualize that because it's a physical thing. Yeah. But people's brains are like that. People have seven foot tall brains. <laughs> oh my just, god. Yeah, these fucking people who like they just passively heard something on TV that they weren't even actually watching or paying attention to and they just remember it. Yeah. Like in detail. See, and that's why like the brain is so fascinating. The only thing that I would go back to school for is psychology, I think. And, and that's it would, the class I was in. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it would be sports psychology though because I yeah. find that so interesting and, uh, you know, that's my thing. But yeah, and it's crazy to me that it's just mush. Like your brain yeah. is literally how how I don't know. It doesn't make sense. No, <laughs> like, it, it's it is a really fascinating thing, and it's a really complex thing that's way over my head. I have zero concept of that. I don't understand how people do because, like, it literally when I think about it, it like freaks me out to think about it. Well, the thing is, they do all this research on it, but they like. The smart, the, the the most brilliant neurosurgeons on the planet still 
don't know that much about the human brain. Yeah. I mean, as we go further and technology increases and there's more data to create new meta analysis and stuff like they're learning more and more, but it's still, it's kind of like the ocean, for example. Like, Oh, that scares the shit out of me too. We don't know <laughs> shit about the ocean. Like we have yeah. thousands and thousands of marine biologists and people who literally have their life dedicated to researching the ocean, but it's so huge that we still don't know fucking shit about it. What is it? I don't even know the percentage, but it's like a super small it's percentage of what we, percentage. yeah. It, outer space is even worse. Uh, we don't know anything about outer space. Like yeah. we think we, like there are people who know way more than you or me, like <laughs> yeah. exponentially, infinitely more than you or me. Mm-hmm. And they still don't know anything about it's, outer space. Yeah. Like the smallest percentage you could ever imagine. That's what we know about space. So this is like one of my favorite quotes. It was, uh, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I have no idea. He's relatively famous. He's a, um, well, what kind of scientist is he? He's in a, I think he's, we need a Jamie someone. I know. Well, he, he basically studies like the solar system and he's, uh, astronomist maybe. He studies astronomy. Is that a word? Astronomy. He's a whatever. I sound like a Astronomer. fucking. Sound like an idiot right now for sure. This is how dumb I am. This is why I got a two point oh. He's he's one of the most brilliant people on the planet, and he, he studies, studies other planets. Yeah, and okay. uh, but he's also like a really charismatic dude, and he's like pretty socially inept, and he's got a really amazing like speaking voice. So he's that's why he's become pretty famous. Mm-hmm. He's narrated some stuff, and he's been on a bunch of different mainstream TV shows. He's been on several podcasts. He's been on Joe Rogan twice, I think. Either way, he was doing a lecture. Or maybe it was, yeah, it was probably like a Q&A at the end of a lecture. And he, someone asked him if they, th- and he probably gets this question all the time. Someone asked him if he thought that there was life on other planets. And his answer was, it's ex- basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically saying that it's extremely egocentric to think that we're the only life form on our little planet mm-hmm. in our little solar system. Because our solar, you know, all, our solar system is just one of, infinite number of other solar systems that are the same size or potentially significantly bigger. And to think that we're the only life on this one little planet is, is absurd. And he basically, the way he, the way he pointed it out or the way he described it was saying that there's no life on other planets because we haven't seen it is the equivalent of taking like this glass, which you guys can't see it, but I have clear glass glasses that we're drinking water out of. He's saying if you take a, a clear glass to the edge of the ocean and fill it up with water, it's like saying, well, see, there's no fish in the ocean because of this. Right. Um, because that's similar equivalency of what percentage of the of outer space we've actually been able to explore. So, And that's the most brilliant people on the planet have only yeah. been able to explore that tiny little bullshit percentage. So That is crazy to me. He crazy. Yeah, there's even there's way more. I would look into some of his videos. They're so fascinating. Um, God. And like I I watched a video the other day. It was it. I think the caption said something like this video is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, perfect. Yeah, I'm going to watch it, (laughs) obviously. And 
it started out with Earth, and then it just kept getting Exuding bigger. out. Yeah, well, it was, like, comparing the sizes of planets and stuff, mm-hmm. and then it eventually got to, like, light years long, yeah. which I don't even know what that even means, right. what a light year is. I can't like, actually explain that. <laughs> so, okay, I'll give you – I don't mean to cut you off. No, but please do. This is going to make up for me not knowing what Neil deGrasse Tyson's <laughs> job is. Astronomist. Yeah, like a, <laughs> astronomer. I don't know. Anyway, a light year, basically, so the speed of light. So imagine flipping on a light switch. The sec, Like when you flip that light switch on, the amount of time it takes for the light to turn on. But is that electricity or is that? Yeah, I mean, electricity and light are, I believe, okay. are, like coincide. So the speed of light is like too fast for us to even really perceive. It just seems instant. Yeah. Um, but basically a light year is the is like the amount of time it would take for light to get from point A to point B. So if it takes one year for light, like if, again, if you flipped on a light switch and it took one year for that light to actually mm-hmm. turn on, that's one light year. Okay. So imagine the speed, like what seems instant to us taking yeah. a full year. That's the distance. So light year is, oh. is actually a measure of distance. It's not a measure of time. Okay. So light year, yeah. So imagine how far away something would have to be for this, but it's from our sun because there could be other suns. There are other suns. Oh yeah. Yeah. See now I feel stupid. Yeah. But like so. <laughs> yeah. So it totally agrees with that statement. <laughs> basically, for you to see light appear, I'm now I'm like. But it's saying, from our sun, so like the distance. Or it's just from, or from no. uh, it's any distance between two <laughs> points. So if, if if something is one light year away from where we currently are, it would take okay. one year for you to be able to actually see the light illuminate. Interesting. So <laughs> unbelievably, one light year is so unbelievably far. far away. And our galaxy is... I don't know how many, but shitloads of light years big. <laughs> a and lot of those things. And there's like infinite number of yeah. other galaxies. That's the, yeah, that's the video. It kept zooming out and it was saying like however many light years away and it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And it wasn't even just like the Milky Way. It was like mm-hmm. more than that and then more than that. And then it was like somebody said something about like, and you think your problems are big. And exactly. I was like, oh. I've seen <laughs> If it's not that exact same video, I've seen something just like it. And yeah. it is. It's, it puts things in perspective real quick that we're insanely insignificant. Like, not even a... Yeah. Well, and then you get into, like, the whole, like, if you're spiritual or you're, you know, religious, which I think are two very different things. Um, that's a whole other topic. But No, but I agree with you. Yeah. If, if you do believe in God, like... You are also still so egocentric to believe that, like, this is all that God does. Right. That man is probably so bored and tired of our shit, first of all. (laughs) He has to have other things. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we could go down a huge rabbit hole with that (laughs) because there's, again, there's infinite number of ways. And that's the crazy thing is any organized religion started at a time when we had zero understanding of anything and that's why a lot of organized religions started was to to give some kind of explanation for shit we didn't understand yeah and as we've become more and more advanced with things like science we've create we've learned the real explanations for things like you know like a couple hundred years ago 
like if you had a cold or something, people just assumed that like you did something bad and God was punishing you. Yeah. When in reality, now we understand that it's just like a bacterial infection or something that's causing us to feel sick. And then we'll, yeah. this is how you get over it. And But at the same time, like, I totally agree with you. And I, I think I've had trouble with this for like a long time of, well, the whole, you know, you obviously learn about like the Big Bang and yeah. all that type of thing like how our universe came to be but like okay then how was the big bang a thing you know what sure. i mean i think you can combine the two it comes down to what came first the chicken or the egg and nobody nobody knows like there's no way to really explain it because you know you can use the explanation god created everything and then the counter to that is well who created god how did god come to be there? see okay that statement right there used to trip me out as a kid yeah. like so much so that i would get anxious Mm -hmm. and I was like genuinely terrified and I would just think about it and think about it and think about it I was like well how can someone be there the whole time like how can you know but it's something that is bigger than our brain obviously because then you compare the whole universe whatever it's so much bigger and like we don't even know even a sliver of it No. no idea but that I used to like have to do something else to like take my brain off that thought because it, I would just like ruminate on it and it would freak me out. Yeah. Like not that we ever had any intention of getting to this topic, but <laughs> since I was, I guess it was a, probably around seventh grade. Like I grew up, my, my, my family's like my mom's side of the family's Lutheran. My dad's side of the family's Catholic. My dad's side of the family's like, very Catholic, I'll say. Like, pretty... They <laughs> I know practi- what you mean. They're yeah. practicing yeah. Catholics. Like, and... Um, so I was, like, born into a religious family, as 99% of people are. And I kind of... Which is also ironic, because I chose to go to a Catholic school for high school. But before then, I had kind of, like, started questioning things. And I've considered myself an atheist since I was in, like, seventh grade. Really? And going to private school and, and having to learn more and more about it just justified the way I thought more and more. So an atheist, I feel like a lot of people have different meanings for this. Like you don't believe in anything or I just don't believe that there's any that I just don't believe in God, basically, is it's to put it as simply as possible. Do you believe that there's like a higher power that's like I believe that there can be. There's just no evidence for it. And if until there is I'm more than happy to believe in any God as long as there you someone can provide some evidence for its existence. Mm-hmm. And the, the Bible is not evidence for anything. It's just a book. There's a lot of other holy books that completely contradict the Bible that claim that they're the right thing. You know, the Quran is the exact opposite of, not the exact opposite, but it's the equivalent of the Bible. I believe it's an even older book with even older stories. They claim to have the, you know, that their God is the God. And there's there's been over like twenty seven hundred different quote unquote gods that have been worshipped by masses of people throughout history. So it's like you don't believe in. Well, I won't use you, but most people don't believe in like twenty seven hundred and whatever number. Mm -hmm. I just don't believe in one more than they do. Does that make sense? Right. Some people are like, how can you not believe in God? I'm like, well, the same reason that you don't believe in Allah. Yeah. It's just like that. It's exactly like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah. And like I said, like learning, the more and more I've learned about 
religion and organized religion and the existence of God and all this other stuff, the more it confirms my, my the more it has confirmed my belief. I've yet, and I've searched high and low for someone to give me an expl- an explanation that would change my mind. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just say you don't believe in something without having heard both sides, you know, both two different sides of the story. Um, I've heard tons and tons of people give me explanations for why there is no existence of God or there's no reason to. I've never heard anyone actually give me a logical explanation for how there is one. Um, No matter how high and low I've looked, I just have never seen it, never heard it. really any explanation I've ever heard has just been really, really easily debunked to the point that I would feel, per- and I, I haven't looked into any of this stuff in several years, but you could put any like theologian or priest or anybody in that chair and I would happily debate them with zero anxiety whatsoever. And I feel like I would, I would win that debate easily. Mm-hmm. And that's not me. That's not even like me being egocentric or anything. It's just that like, I'm prepared for anything. I already know what they're all going to say because they all say the same things and it's all easily debunked. So it's like people using different anecdotes half the time. None of it's ever verifiable. Mm -hmm. And anyway, like I said, we had no intention of going down this. No, that all makes sense. I mean, and I think the only, I don't know, like I said, I've had, I guess, trouble, not trouble. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm curious and I'm, you know, always asking questions and whatever. But I mean, the only evidence I have of like a higher being, no, like whatever that may be. And a lot of people like believe in like the universe and, you know, like Mm -hmm. mother nature. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, you know, I don't doubt that. I mean, I believe in energies and shit like that too, whatever. But I mean, like the only evidence I have of like some higher being, no matter what that is is just like honestly me be like still being here Mm -hmm. which is crazy in itself (laughs) but you know that's the only close thing to logical that i could get to that's that's the problem that i generally have with people's explanations like i had right it's so like wide open yeah and it's it's stuff that probably could be explained and, and maybe you don't understand why it's, it is the way that it is, but there's probably someone out there that could give you a detailed explanation for why. Like I had a buddy that he's got triplets and he overheard a conversation I was having with someone else where I like pointed out that there's no, no verifiable existence of God. There's no evidence for it, blah, blah, blah. Or, or no, this is what it was. It was someone talking about praying for me or wanted me to pray for them or something. I was just like, really prayer. That's what, that's what you, how you think you're going to get this accomplished or whatever. I don't remember the context, but I was like, you know, like if there's a natural disaster or something and people go out and they're just like, I'm praying for the people of Australia because of this tsunami that took out thousands of homes or whatever. It's like, congratulations. You literally just did nothing for them. Like, it's an interesting perspective. I'm going to, I'm going to donate money so that I actually did make some impact on their livelihood rather than me just saying random words in my head that literally there's no evidence that it does anything for those people. Um, but some people do have evidence that their prayers or their manifestations are, you know, they have, or, I mean, they make assumptions like they, people pray for things and then they also happen. Do you think it's a coincidence? Happen. 
Yeah, I do definitely think that those things are coincidences. Um, and they're, again, that's relatively easily explainable. Like there's always like situations. Well, it, let me finish what I was saying about him. He has triplets. And I guess when they were being born, they had like a really small likelihood of surviving or some, something along those lines. I don't remember what it was. They were mm-hmm. premature. I don't really know how it worked. Yeah. But he talked about like he made a post about this. Like he didn't say anything in the moment. He was on the other side of the room, but he made a post about it. He's like, I overheard somebody today saying that prayer <laughs> doesn't like, work. And that I was, was like, me. Shocker. I wonder who he's talking about. <laughs> but he told this story in this post about his triplets and how they, again, I, I think it was, I don't remember the details of the story, but they were supposed to maybe not make it or one or two of mm-hmm. them. I don't know. And he just talked about, how I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And sure enough, they, you know, they came, pulled through and they're perfectly healthy and blah, they're eight years old now. And I'm like, amazing story. Like I I'm, love that. That makes me really happy to hear all that. But what evidence do you have to support the fact that your prayer had anything to do with that? If anything, you're taking a lot of credit away from the people who medically were in charge of taking care of those kids that helped them pull through. There was a lot of medical technology that probably was the actual answer. And maybe you don't understand that medical technology, nor do I. But I bet you your fucking doctor could explain to you why that happened. And I guarantee you the doctor's not going to say anything about why. Like those prayers definitely helped when I did this procedure that actually ended up working you know but what about like medical miracles and stuff like that medical miracles would fall under the category of things that we don't yet understand but i think in the future we probably will hmm. because think th- there everything was considered a medical miracle 150 years ago 200 years ago anytime yeah. anyone pulled through from anything we didn't have any technology to really understand anything you know and then there were anomalies that we learn from and now use as a way to combat certain things. I'm not explaining this. I'm not articulating this very well, but no, I know what you mean. This actually goes back to Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrologer murderer. (laughs) (laughs) He, He talked about it. He calls it the God of the gaps, meaning like when we don't understand anything, we attribute it to God. Mm -hmm. And as technology and science continues to advance, those gaps get smaller and smaller and smaller. And we're just slowly explaining away the existence of God because things that we didn't used to be able to understand, we just gave credit to God for it. But as we get smarter, we're starting to understand why and how those things are actually taking place. And that it's not just some higher being doing it for us. Yeah. Interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, like whenever I even like have a thought like that or you know whatever my i swear to god my ocd goes insane Mm -hmm. because i'm like oh my god well now i'm now i'm gonna get punished for like questioning and you know asking questions and now like oh my god you know whatever it's it's a huge ocd thing for me too so i think it's for a lot of people like they have ocd about religion and god and you know oh my god god is gonna punish me you know when i was when i was younger before I started, when before I kind of proclaimed myself an atheist. So again, I was pretty fucking young. I remember there were these TV channels. This is back when you didn't, I don't even think we had like a guide channel, much less mm-hmm. the way cable is today. You just had to literally flip up or down to get to the different channels. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I'd be channel surfing, we called it. And it would come across these like, like religious there were always these stupid fucking religious uh, 
channels that literally all they did was just like it was like gospel reading and it was like actually like church being filmed basically and it was on that channel all day long and I remember sometimes I would flip through those and I would get to that channel and I would feel guilty flipping past it so I would mm-hmm. just like leave it on sometimes because I'm like I don't know man like I feel like that's not good if I go away from the <laughs> channel about God. what if God doesn't like that <laughs> and I as I got older I was like why the fuck would I ever think something so irrational that's so weird uh, I just had this conversation with a friend the other day and it, it, it basically, okay, so I'll give you this statistic, which is always relatively alarming for people because some people, when I tell them I'm an atheist, they, uh, people automatically associate atheism with, oh, you're immoral. You're a bad person because God is all about good things and you mm-hmm. don't believe in it. So you must be bad. I actually have two things I'll say about that. They, I always point out, well, the prison system in the United States, and this probably applies globally, but I only, only know the statistics on, in the United States, over 99% of people imprisoned in the United States belong to some form of religion. They're God-fearing people. There's almost no atheists in prison. I mean, there's prob- there's some, but it very, like I said, less than 1% of people who are murderers, rapists, arsonists, whatever, are people who don't believe in God. It's people who it's, and I'm not saying that if you do that, you are a bad person either. That's not at all what I'm saying. Right. That's obviously bullshit. But my point is if being a religious person automatically made you a good person, then 99% of prison system would not be made up of religious people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, and then people will make, I've heard people have actually physically said this to me and I've heard tons of, again, in, in all this research I used to do when I was younger, I heard so many like anecdotes of this where people are like, well, if you don't believe in God, what's to stop you from like raping and killing people? And I immediately am like, what? Like you require your religion to prevent you from doing these things. Yeah. That's terrifying that you would. uh, You're basically saying that without your religion, you would want to kill and rape people. And that's insane. You know, and the the point I always make is I'm like, let's just look at it like this. Let's take, let's say I have a twin brother, me and my twin brother. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God, but I treat people with respect. You know, I do nice things for people. I live a good life. I don't commit crimes. I don't hurt anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a moral person. I live a good life and I don't, I don't hurt anybody else in the process. Then you have my twin brother who's devout Christian and goes to church every Sunday, but also robs people every weekend and is a murderer and a rapist, which one of us is going to heaven? You know, if you believe in that, if you believe in an afterlife in heaven, it's like, according to the Bible, if you don't believe in God, you have no chance of getting in. Even if you're a perfectly good person and everything you do is moral and you treat people well and respectfully and whatever, if you don't believe in God, you're, you're out, you're going to hell, eternal damnation which we don't even have the concept of eternity in our brains. It's hard to, it's almost impossible to even conceptualize what eternity is. Mm -hmm. All we know is the rest of our life. Eternity is infinite. Yeah. That like, like literally like my chest is like tight. It's a terrifying, (laughs) infinity is a terrifying thought because we don't, there's no, we have no concept of that. Mm -hmm. But because I just said, I don't believe in one specific deity, but even though I do everything else perfectly, 
I'm going to go to eternal. I'm going to burn for eternity. And then this motherfucker who's treating people like shit and killing people and committing all these horrible crimes of humanity is going to go to heaven just because he's like, well, I believe in God and I can just ask for forgiveness. That's fucked. That's so fucked to me. Like Mm -hmm. that whole thought process is like, how can anyone, how could anyone possibly believe that that's a good thing? So I think a lot of people too, they take it as, oh, I can do all this messed up stuff and then I'll just ask for forgiveness. And that's what the Bible literally says you can do. And so, but like the things that these people do, man, they're, there's some really fucked up people out there for sure. So another question for you on the topic, then we can move on. But (laughs) like, what do you think? Do you think there's an afterlife? Like, what do you think? No, I don't. Really? I just think when you die, you're dead. Okay, so okay, so moving on slightly, but mm-hmm. also kind of staying on the same thing, like with like the psychedelics and everything, mm-hmm. like some people say, I've never done them, but some people say that they like see, like, I don't even know, th- their creator or they see mm-hmm. like all these things. Yeah, I've heard a lot of the same stuff you're talking about. Um, I'm not... Ex, as ex, ex, I'm not experienced enough with psychedelics. I've never experienced anything like that. Mm-hmm. I've only I've done mushrooms two times. That's it. And I did a pretty moderate dose, so I didn't like yeah trip. I did, but I didn't like see anything. I didn't right, hallucinate right. or or anything like that. And so I have no experience in that realm. What I basically what's happening though with psychedelics is you're basically just. So you know how you only use a certain percentage of your brain. I don't know what that exact percentage is or what mm-hmm. you, you know, people talk about you only use 10%. I don't know if that's accurate. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's like the cliche thing. That may or may not be accurate, but people, you, you, we use a small percentage of our brains, right? Yeah. And I think really all psychedelics are doing is just expanding your brain's capability to use more, a higher percentage of your brain. I know. <laughs> we really need a Jamie. Um, oh, man. Fuck. Maybe we should just reach out to him. Be hey, like, hey he's man. Do, he's got plenty of time. He could definitely help us with all of this from i guess he's in texas now um it's not too far no he's got it um what was i saying um 10 of our yeah, brain yeah. yeah so psychedelics are basically just expanding your brain's capability into things that you've never seen or felt or whatever because different parts of your brain that you've never actually accessed are being accessed pretty much and (laughs) so i think again it's something that we cannot explain and fuck i can tell you from my very limited experience with psychedelics and everything i've heard from people who are way more experienced with it than i am i can attest to the fact that even trying to describe the experience verbally is really difficult to do and again i'm very inexperienced i like what I've what I've done is pretty par for the course. Like I just was really, really high and had a feeling of euphoria. But even trying to describe that feeling to someone to someone who's never done it is hard to do because there's just not like words to put it into. Yeah, and especially if you've never experienced it before, then it would be hard to exactly. compare. So it kind of goes back to that same thing I was that, that Neil deGrasse Tyson mentioned is like the God of the gaps, where it's like we're experiencing something we have no explanation for. Science doesn't even really have an explanation for it yet. 
So we automatically, I think a lot of people just jump to the conclusion that, yeah, that's, I'm seeing God. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I think what's happening is they're just experiencing something in their brain that they've never had access to before that they can't explain. And so because they can't explain it again, they attribute it to God. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I haven't dived that far down that rabbit hole. So I haven't experienced what some of these people have experienced. So fuck, who knows? And I can tell you this right now, for those of you listening to just audio, we're in my house right now. I have a podcast studio in my house and just down the hallway, I have DMT. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, but and I've never used it. I just have it. And of course, I'm just going to sit and let it sit there and overthink it until <laughs> eventually nine months from now or so. I'm going to sit around and finally be like, fuck, OK, I'm going to do this. Today's the day. Today's the day. That's what I did with <laughs> mushrooms. I got mushrooms and I sat on them for like almost a year because I just overthought. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm in the right mind frame for this. Like I need to be in the right setting with the right people at the right time. And it's just not I don't know. I have a little anxiety going on right now. I should probably stay away from it for now. <laughs> well, yeah, because people say that you're supposed to be like in like a good mindset, whatever. But then there's also people that have said that they were in super depressive states and then they do whatever and then they Pull come out, out of, of it, it and it, their life has changed. So what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what I understand from, again, I don't have enough experience to speak in the first person, but from what I understand, like... People are terrified of having a bad trip. Yeah. I'm terrified of having a bad trip, too, because apparently... That can, like, mess you up. For sure. Especially in the moment. It's like, from what I understand... Then again, I have kind of had a bad trip. It's hard to explain. It was with with weed. It was with a THC-infused drink. I'm still not convinced that that's all it was. But it <laughs> what was, do you mean? It's a long, fucking really long story. Uh, my ex, who was my girlfriend at the time, and I, we did a, we did one of those saltwater float thingies. Oh, yeah. You know, that, when I did that one time, and it really stressed me out. Really? Yeah, because one, did you have to put the, like things in your ears mm-hmm. so you wouldn't get water in your ear. Mine fell out. So did mine. <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't find it. That is really annoying. Yeah. I agree with you and on the, that. Oh, man. And then, like, I got bored towards the end. Like, I think I was, like, in, like, a meditative state for, a little, like, maybe, like, a half a second. Uh-huh. And then I'm also very bad at meditating. I'm very bad at it. I try very hard. Sure. One day I'll be good. But, and that's another thing I listen to, if you know, like, Joe Dispenza. He's, like, there's no meditation that's a bad meditation like whatever that's a whole different thing but but literally by the end of it i was just like pushing myself from one wall to the next and i was like when is this gonna be over like i'm done with this now so i've done it like three or four times uh once the first time ever was on edibles and it was a really incredible experience it was amazing I've done it, I think, twice just sober or once sober. And it was also amazing. Not as amazing as it was on edibles. Then I think I just no the, the third time I was on edibles again, <laughs> but I was really exhausted. I just was passed the fuck out. Really? Yeah. So I don't really remember that one. <laughs> I was just asleep the whole time. You probably needed it, though. Yeah, I did. It was in the middle of contest prep. And I, yeah, that's why I did it. Yeah. Um, but it was, I guess, it was the fourth time. My my ex my my at the time my girlfriend and I did it, and we did this THC infused drink, 
which I had never done. I've done edibles a bunch of times and I love edibles. Um, but this was, so this was basically like an edible, but in drink form, which is a little bit different. You metabolize it way quicker. You don't have to digest it. Mm -hmm. So like it kicks in a lot faster. And so one of two things happened. One, the shit had more than just THC in it or the potency like the dosage of it had to have been if it really was just weed it had to have been what I would estimate is at least 10 times the dose we thought we were getting <laughs> and it was the most horrific I would not wish this experience on my worst enemy um, and this was in the float thing that this like hit you so it started even again because we were treating it like an edible which takes mm -hmm. anywhere from like a half hour to an hour and a half to kick in depending on like how soon before you you ate actual food or whatever there's a bunch of different variables um so were you doing this on your own or was this like a place that you could go that they gave you the stuff and then you went to do the float no this was just a client of mine gave me this stuff this drink oh okay so i okay. had it at my house and i told you know my ex i was just like do you want to so she had my client had told me that her and her brother did a drink and they split the whole thing they each did half and they like went to a comedy show and whatever and she was like yeah we were really high but it was like really cool so her and i had already done it we used to do edibles a lot and we've done a float on edibles and had incredible experiences so we were just assuming it would be like that mm -hmm. and so we and we took a pretty high dose of edibles when we did it the first time yeah so this shit we, I was like, okay, we treated it like an edible thinking it would take a minimum of 30 minutes to kick in. So it's about a 30 minute drive from my house to get there. So we're like, all right, cool. We'll just start drinking it right when we leave. And it should start kicking in once we get into the, oh my God. Into the tank thingy. We weren't even like halfway there. And I was like, stopped at a red light. And I was like, I looked over at her and I was like. I'm already kind of high. And she looked back at me and was like, oh, shit. Yeah, me too. And I was like, oh, I don't even know if I should be driving my car the rest of the way. Like, and it, it hit me so fucking hard to where, like, by the time we parked and walked into the place, we were both gone. Like, we were zombies. Like, there was we were pretty much just like nodding our heads at the employees like uh, <laughs> yeah they're like you technically can't drown in these things but like they might yeah exactly <laughs> and so she this is gonna be hilarious with the microphone <laughs> i'm already laughing at, at what's about to be said <laughs> i had no intention of going this far to detail with this story but uh so what they do it had been a long time since she had done a float it had been over a year since the one time that she did it with me. And so they <laughs> had to give you kind of a little refresher course of how to, you know, you got to yeah, shower yeah. off all the oil on your body, your natural oils that your skin secretes before you get in and put the, the ear thingies in and whatever. So she's, so I had to pee. So she, we're obviously in two separate rooms right next to each other. And I, I, as she's getting the rundown from the girl who works there, keep in mind, if anyone, a lot of people that are going to be listening, have probably never done this before, but these places are like 
ultra zen. Like yeah, they're like spas. Yeah. yeah. It's really quiet. There's ambient music. The people who work there are like ultra hippies. They're all barefoot. <laughs> they like talk, they, they talk really quietly. Yeah, how are you today? Everything good? Yeah. Can you I could totally be a hippie. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be great at it. So it, the girl's like giving Amanda a rundown of like how to do everything. I go and I pee. And I, I remember being in that bathroom like the paranoia by the time we even walked in the building was already like I can't even describe how paranoid both of us already were and it hadn't even come close to like fully kicking in yet yeah (laughs) and so like I went to the bathroom and I remember looking in the mirror and I was just like fuck I'm (laughs) fucked this is fucked Like, I peed, and I just kept looking at myself while I washed my hands, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is not good. And so I walked out of the bathroom, and I stood at the edge of the door where she's getting her explanation from the hippie girl. This is the part I start laughing at. So, again, they're right next to each other, so the girl's just, like, whispering the explanation to her. And I'm, like, let's say 20, 25 feet away waiting for her to put me in my room, and all I can hear is... It's like, oh, shit. It's like something you would see and hear in a fucking terrifying movie. (laughs) It's just those creepy-ass whisper sounds. Is she even really saying real words? What the fuck is going on? Uh, Oh, my God. I can't even describe how scared I was. I'm crying. It really gets 10 times worse than that that from there. That's just funny because the microphone makes that way cooler, way more funny. Uh, (laughs) Holy shit, that's so funny. Anyway, so you get in the water. And again, for people who've never done this, if you're high, even if you're not really, it can be kind of scary. Yeah, it's supposed to like... What is it? It's supposed to like take away all your senses, pretty much. Yeah, because it's it's the closest thing. It, it's essentially being in zero gravity because you even it's a hard thing to conceptualize. Even if you're laying on an extremely comfortable mattress, you have to understand like the physics of like f- one force against another force. You're never fully relaxed mm-hmm. if you're if you're on planet Earth. Period. Right. Um, but when you're floating on this salt water, it's like being in outer space where there's just no it's like being in zero gravity, mm-hmm. essentially, where you you can legitimately let your entire every single muscle in your entire body fully relax. Yeah. And it's weird because then you feel like you're like, am I tense? Like, I think I mm-hmm. twitched. I twitched a lot yeah. the first time I went. Yeah. It's like people, especially and I noticed it myself because I. I found myself, I realized, like, damn, I am still tense, even yeah. though I'm, like, actively trying to fully relax. Like, there's certain muscles that just want to be tense Yeah. anyway until you, like, think about, okay, I noticed, like, my my adductors, like, my inner thighs, like, that would, the muscle that's responsible for, like, pulling your legs closer together, uh-huh. those just had, like, a little bit of, like tenseness for and for no reason like as i'm laying yeah. there and i'm like just let it go like just relax and then you yeah then you think about it too much and then you know mm-hmm. yeah the most common one is your neck because instinctively you're attempting to not let your head go underwater but it won't like you can't it's hard for you to understand that even if you just yeah. totally relax your neck your head will not go underwater um 
And so I think most people just tense up their neck uh, instinctively. Yeah. Even though, because they just don't trust the salt to keep your head above, <laughs> right. you know. So, but anyway, when you're in a fully relaxed state, it's something your body's never experienced. <laughs> and so your brain starts to do some crazy shit. Um, and th- some people have done this fully sober and experienced some pretty wild shit. Mm-hmm. Visions and things, like hallucinations. Yeah. It's like you said, it's like a, a meditative state, I would say. And then if you're on any kind of a drug, um, like, again, even edibles was enough for me to... I was having... the. The first time, even I was having some pretty vivid visuals. I couldn't make sense of any of them. Amanda could. She like had a whole dream while like she a was profound awake. Profound moment in yeah, this. Yeah, she thing. was crying. Oh my gosh! And she was literally started said she was crying in the middle of the float because she was like literally like it was again. It was like having a dream but being awake. Yeah. Um. So anyway, again, way too much detail of this story already. <laughs> But I got in there and I was so paranoid before I even fucking got in that I was panicking. I, and here's the other thing. It's dead silent in this place. Right. Completely silent. And so once you get into the water, the only thing you can. Well, they have music on at first in the water. This ambient music that's supposed to relax you. Um, and then it turns off, though. When it turns off, it is complete fucking silence. And the only thing you can actually hear is your own heartbeat. Yeah. And you're, you can hear the air going in and out of your lungs. And that's, that's why I think sound. I started to, like, move around in the water because then I could hear, like, the water, water. moving. So then yeah. I wasn't, like, just, like, trapped in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, dude, I, yeah, it was really bad. So I was so fucking terrified. Like, paranoid does not do justice to what I was experiencing. Like, yeah. Primal fucking fear to the point that I started having really irrational thoughts, like, that I was dead. Like, that I was already dead. Like, I was wide awake, and I was just like, is this, am I dead right now? Like, I thought I was actually physically dead. Like, full-blown panic attack. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm, like, laying there, and I'm like, okay, maybe I need to just open my eyes. And so I opened my eyes. Didn't help at all. It's pitch black, though. So it's literally like your eyes are still closed. (laughs) Yeah, it did not help at all. Well, it wasn't fully pitch black. It was dark. But it was you, there was a little bit of light coming through. So oh, okay. they have two different. They have like the pods, and then they have the um, the like rooms. They're very similar. But the room there's like a door. Okay. With like a tinted window, and then the room outside of it is okay. Dimly lit, but you could see a little bit. Open my eyes didn't help at all, and I was like, "Fuck! I need to maybe I just need to sit up." So I sat up in the water. Didn't help at all, and I'm like, "Dude." There's nothing I can do. This this weed st- is this edible is in your system for hours, so I just gotta find a way to try to relax. Terrifying. So I laid back down. The music turns off and it's <laughs> dead silent. And I was like, nope, fuck that. Instantly got out of the water and just sat there in the room like heart pounding. Like, what the fuck am I gonna do? I was the thought of communicating with another person most terrifying thing I could imagine I was like I have to walk out of this place and walk past people who are working here (laughs) how am I going to do that I can't do that I can't I can't speak to someone right now right all I'm thinking is just like please 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 fucking tell me that this is not happening to Amanda also please tell me that I got all of this and that she's going to be okay because there's no way I can drive there's yeah. no way we're getting out of here if she's as fucked up as well, I am. Well, there's no way you could, like, talk to each other through it if no. you're both in that. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, exactly. And so the 
basically at the end of the float, the, wa- the music turns back on, and that's the end of your hour or whatever. Yeah. The music's supposed to, like, if you fall asleep, it's supposed to, like, wake you up and tell you that you're done. And so I just sat in the fucking room and waited to hear that music. And I got on my, I'm like, let me get on my phone. Maybe if I get on my phone, I'll see some, like, recognizable shit, and it'll make me feel more comfortable. My phone was, like, iridescent-looking, Oh God! I mean, it's like I'm having an anxiety attack thinking about it. I the second that music turned on, I fucking shout. I, that's the other thing. I could have just walked out. Yeah. But I did not want them asking, "Why'd you leave early? What happened?" You know. Yeah, so yeah. I waited until the music turned on, showered like I normally would, and then fucking beelined it out the front door. And I was just like, uh, "Tell Amanda I'm in the car." <laughs> And so I just went to the car, and of course I got in the passenger side of the car because there's no way I was driving. And then this is what was really fucked up is we both went for a 60-minute float. She actually started a little bit before me, like I said. Yeah. And so I'm rationally thinking, I'm like, okay, so she should be done like a minute or two before me. Her shower might take a couple extra minutes or you know whatever so like she should be out in the car no more than like five minutes after me yeah 38 minutes went by i'm texting her nothing (laughs) what 38 fucking minutes went by she was as fucked up maybe worse than me and lost all recollection of everything she didn't understand no idea how long she was in there she didn't even remember that the music was the end of the thing so she just was still in there yeah, dude. Did they have to knock on it? Like, no, they just they... let her go, apparently. And she finally got out on her own and, and came out. And at, this is the, the part that pissed me off. She goes to the front and was just like, where's Marcus? She, so when you walk in, the first thing you do is take her shoes off. Yeah. She looked in the area where the shoes were and mine weren't there. <laughs> no, she thought so she left. really freaked out. Yeah. It was like, where's Marcus? And they were like, oh, he left. <laughs> Is what they said to her. What? So she thought I fucking left her there and was like, ha- like having a. I can only imagine what was going through her head. Yeah. Luckily, she had her phone. You know, we have our phones, but we're so fucked. We have no understanding of anything. So she calls me and was just. I answered finally. I was like, oh my God, she's alive. I answer and she's like, where are you? And I was like, I'm in the car. And she's like, what car? <laughs> I was like instantly like no she's the same so I was like I'm in my car the same car I've had since I've known you she's like I don't remember your car everything looks backwards I'm like where are you I was by the way I'm like 50 30 less than 50 feet away from the front door of this building I'm like I'm right where I parked she's like I don't remember everything looks backwards that's scary terrifying fucking terrifying everything I'm saying right now doesn't know justice to how fucking terrified yeah. both of us were. Oh my god. Um, yeah, and so she was like, "Can you?" She's like, "Tap the brake so I can see the brake lights." And I was like, "I'm in the passenger <laughs> seat." Yeah, I mean, like I'm in the passenger seat. She's like, "Can you just get out?" I'm like, "Yeah, I guess I can do that." <laughs> so like, I open the door and I turn around. I know. Yeah, like I did. I was. <laughs> there's no explanation for this. I was so. We were both just so. That's fun. crazy. Yeah. So we ended up having to Uber home. <laughs> Which was <laughs> from your float. Which was so terrifying oh, that's to Uber. So funny. Luckily, this Uber driver didn't try to speak to us. Um, God, it, there's so much more to that story, but I won't waste any more time on it. But that is crazy. Like, what was that? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Did you ask them? 
Yeah. Well, I, I asked my client who gave it to me. Yeah, she didn't. Yeah, yeah. She didn't make it. She had a friend who I guess is like a chef or something who made them. I don't know him. Um, I never got an explanation, but she she said she was like, no, like that. It's just weed. Like it's definitely just weed. And I'm like, if it's just weed, we're talking like hundreds and hundreds of milligrams of THC <laughs> in a half of a. You know what I mean? Like that is terrifying. Yeah, like I said, and that story really doesn't even do justice to what it was like. But yeah, when I've explained it to other people who have to get to the main point here, <laughs> and I'm fucking rambling so much. But when I've explained that to people who are more experienced with various psychedelics, they every single one of them was like, "That you had an acid trip, you had a bad trip," and I was like. That's why I think it could potentially have had acid in it. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how that works. But <laughs> every one of them immediately was like, every detail of what you're describing is exactly what you experience with a bad acid trip. And so, huh. um, but from what I understand, the again, that was like a 20-minute segue into me saying that apparently having a bad trip can actually you can learn a lot from a bad trip and actually have a really positive outcome from a bad trip now again i have no experience so i don't really want to speak on that because i don't know the hell i'm talking about but that's what i've heard people say right um well um isn't so i know like the dmt is in like the ayahuasca and like stuff like that but like the dmt like how you normally do it, like not in ayahuasca, apparently is only like a 10, like 10 second thing. 10 minutes. Is it 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. Like 10 to 15 minutes is what. Like it's quick, like quick. Mm-hmm. But then they've like these, I don't even know what you would call them, like very established, like ancient tribes yeah. figured out how to make it into ayahuasca and it right. la- it's like a drink and it's like a whole ceremony and it's you know like there's a shaman there and there's all this stuff but it lasts for hours right and that's something that I would love to do but it's there that's a really complicated process yeah and well <laughs> there's like the white people way of doing it and then there's like the actual like wave because they have like those retreats and stuff that you can go on and do whatever but then um i was talking to my massage therapist lady about this too and she i think she said she i think she dated a guy or whatever i don't know she knew a guy that um he did he said he did the white people way um but then he like started talking to people more about it i think he went to somewhere in South America, I want to say. Yeah. Um, somewhere down there. I don't know. Or, but he did the whole ceremony with a shaman and stuff? Well, no, he did, like, the the retreat way of, like, yeah. you're in, like, a resort and you do, like, that thing. And they have a shaman there, but it's right. not the same. Yeah. So then he started talking to people around there and they were like, no, you need to actually do it. So he figured out his, like, the way to get there. And this was, like, some... That's, like, a movie, I swear to God. Like, the way that he got there, it was, like, a two-day journey by boat 
boat and then you hike by yourself like up this mountain type thing and then you find the shaman like in this place and this man doesn't hardly even speak English because right. it's like an, a legit shaman like yeah. not like a paid shaman being at one of these resorts you know yeah. so and then he did like the actual thing but people get so sick from it yeah. because, but you're supposed to like because yeah, like the they, they give you like the tobacco water and you're supposed to like literally cleanse and like detox your whole entire body before you even do like the main part of it and blah 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 so he did both like yeah. within like a week I think if I remember the story correctly but did he explain anything that he experienced beyond that because that's no I talked to her about it I don't yeah so that's what got me into the concept of psychedelics like I said I'm still very inexperienced but the reason that I was fascinated by it like let me just backtrack like I didn't the first time I ever smoked weed I was 25 years old and like the second time I ever smoked weed was like a couple years after that mm-hmm. I didn't start consistently even smoking weed until I was like in my late 20s and at that point this was the only drug and, and to this day the only drug I've ever done is weed and I've done mushrooms twice and both of those have happened within the last six months so I'm I'm like I didn't even drink like all through like my senior year of high school was when I was like the first time I ever drank mm-hmm. and I very, like rarely ever did it. it wasn't until college that I started drinking more commonly so I I've never been a person who like had I never like never felt peer pressured to do any kind of a drug or anything. Mm-hmm. I hung out with all the people who did. I just never did it. Right. I didn't care to. So, like, I was never fascinated by drugs. I was almost afraid of them. I was just like, I don't need to do that. Like, I can mm-hmm. have a good time sober for sure, so I'm just going to keep doing that. <laughs> right. Drugs are bad, according to what everyone, every dare. adult ever said. Yeah, Dare told me <laughs> drugs were bad, so I'm going to follow through. Oh, my God. I must have knocked that over. So, what got me into the concept of psychedelics wasn't like I want to get fucked up it was like hearing all these experiences where people had like lasting benefits Mm -hmm. mental clarity like the reduction of depression and anxiety yeah and there's more studies now about like mm -hmm. the psilocybin and depression and even OCD and yeah alcoholism drug addiction Mm -hmm. all kinds of shit yeah they're doing all kinds of clinical studies on this now and again, that's again those some of hearing about some of those studies again is really what got me into it. Me learning about psychedelics from like, I mean, not firsthand, but watching videos and reading about like neuroscientists and like really intellectual individuals, and then hearing the you know the results of the studies where people are reporting years later after one experience with psilocybin mushrooms. Like never having like being completely addicted to alcohol and then doing mushrooms one time and then never having a desire to to drink ever again, like shit like that. And then like, not that I'm an alcoholic, but I'm like, if, if there's something that there was one study that had, like, I believe it was an 81% rate of curing alcoholism by using psilocybin. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's profound. Alcoholism. It's insane. That's unbelievable. And that's just in one study. So like, Although I have no issue with addiction or alcoholism or anything, it's like yeah. there's obviously something about this that's really, really positive and really amazing. And it's not just like a recreational drug to make you get fucked up and have a good time. Mm-hmm. That just happens to be like a positive side effect of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you might as well enjoy it while you do it. But the the point is that it's supposed to have a lasting effect on you in in 
almost always in a positive way. So Mm -hmm. that was the entire reason that I decided that I was like, I'm going to actually do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I have no, no desire to do any of these like recreational drugs. Like cocaine is I'm not excited about that. Mm -hmm. I know so many people who do it and I'm just like, I don't care. I don't want to do cocaine. Right. No desire to do cocaine. I don't even like to drink anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking is like, I'm over that. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I'm 20, almost 23 years old and I'm like over drinking. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, I was pretty young when I got to the point where I, it was really when I, my first bodybuilding contest, I was just, had just turned 24 and I was, I had to stop drinking for prep obviously. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much at that point that I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. Well, yeah. And like every time, literally I'm at the point now, even if I have like one, I like it's first of all pointless. Yeah. Second of all, like I will get a headache. I get so anxious. Like my OCD is through the roof no matter how much I drink. It's crazy. Really? It makes it worse? Yeah. Wow. It's I don't yeah, I don't know what it is. Like and especially like obviously if I have more than one and it's no matter what, I'll have a hangover. I don't oh, yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know but it sucks and it's just like and it sucks because I do enjoy like wine and whatever but it's just like yeah why I don't you know I'm the same way and I have like I just have goals that don't that don't coincide with getting drunk right it doesn't make sense that was me as well but it's for me it's I have a really, really high alcohol tolerance. I had really high alcohol tolerance the first time I ever drank, and I wasn't a big dude. I was mm-hmm. a fucking basketball, high school basketball player. And I don't know what it is about me, but I, I can drink a lot of alcohol and not get really drunk. But a hangover is essentially just severe dehydration. So yeah. even if you don't get drunk, but you consume a lot of alcohol, you're still going to be equally fucking hung over the next day. Yeah. So I always have horrific fucking hangovers, even if I don't really have all the fun that everyone has when they get drunk. Yeah. And I spend a lot of money when I drink because I have to drink so much of it. <laughs> right. And it takes me so long to get drunk that I end up being three quarters of the night. I'm the sober guy around all the drunk idiots. And, and it's then just it's annoying. annoying. Yeah. yeah. It's not until it's like last call at the bar that I'm finally starting to have fun. And now I got to go home and I'm going to wake up in a few hours and feel like dog shit. So yeah. like, why am I even doing this? Right. You know, if I was like a, a, a lightweight where I could drink two beers and be drunk, I would probably maybe still do it because <laughs> right. it's like, it's not a lot of calories. It's, yeah. I'm not going to be so severely dehydrated. I probably won't be hung over too bad from this. Like, yeah. And I can, it can take place quickly so that I can have fun the whole time, you know? Well, and, yeah. And I think, I don't know. I, I've always been told I'm mature for my age and I know that like, whatever, I've always been, better friends with people that are older than me, whatever. So for me, like my first couple years in college, like, yeah, sure. Fun, whatever. But now like being 22, even when I was 21, honestly, like I was like, yeah, well, and like, even like at a bar and working at a bar, you just see so much and you're like, Ew. You know, I hate all of you. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you like know what if, I mean? if you're surrounded by drunk idiots all the time when you're not drunk, it would be a huge like motivating factor to not be like them. Well, yeah, and not even that I was, but just like I don't even want to be around you people, yeah. you know. 
I'm the same way. I, I mean, it's and again, and I'm not going to say, and I don't think you are either, saying that like I won't ever drink again. Oh yeah, no, because like I, I don't will. care if people do. No, me neither. I don't judge anybody for it. Yeah, I don't judge anybody for anything really. But <laughs> no, it's I understand why people enjoy drinking and shit, and it yeah. is like a social thing, and it does like when I I don't have OCD, so when I drink any like anxiety or any negative things and I think this is why most people not I think this is why most people become addicted to alcohol is because it's an easy way to escape from all the issues that they have Mm -hmm. you know and just temporarily be able to ignore it and not even have to face it or anything yeah and that's how it was for me but then like the next day it would come back like five times harder fuck that yeah so I was like (laughs) yeah yeah I was pretty much over it I was pretty over it at a young age too. Like I said, once I, like I said, when I did my first show, my prep was like 20 weeks for my first show, if I'm not mistaken. And so I went 20 weeks with zero alcohol just to get ready for the show. And at the time that was a pretty big task for me. I was like, damn, I'm not going to drink for 20 straight weeks. That's a yeah, lot. Yeah. And I don't know, by halfway through, I was like, I don't need to drink. Why did I think this was such a big deal? Yeah. And then by the end of it, I just really, since even since then, 10 years later, I really don't have any fucking desire. Like, again, it, there's very, I'll get a wild hair if I'm in Vegas or something and I'm. Yeah, right. But it's very rare that I even have any desire to drink anymore. But, and like I said, the, the, the act of getting having like an altered state of mind has never really been my motivation. Mm-hmm. That's why psychedelics were exciting for me is because it's not really about the time when it's active in your system. It's for me, it's more so about how it affects you down the road. And it's even just in the two times I've done it. And this is now we're kind of finally getting to a topic we were discussing last time. <laughs> and uh, this is a whole different fucking <laughs> episode that's fine it's good it's really good this might be better than the first one yeah um even just in the two experiences i've had with mushrooms and and just for reference for anybody out there i took two grams both times which is a pretty moderate to small dose of edibles or i'm sorry of mushrooms um so you do just eat them like just like just dry. I eat them just dry. There's people have various ways of doing it. It's I, gross. They're, I hate mushrooms anyways. Like see, in like, real life, or I guess that's. <laughs> I like normal grocery store mushrooms. <laughs> like no, I, I do not. But it doesn't matter. These are these are nothing like that. These oh. are just like extremely dehydrated. It's like the only the best way for me to describe it is like if you went outside underneath like a tree and found a couple fucking just loose twigs and just shit and mulch on the ground and ate that that's kind of what it's like so it's like earthy and it's really oh, gross oh i have a story have you ever had kava no do you know what that is is it a drink yeah i've seen it i don't know anything about it Ew. oh my god just thinking about it it's <laughs> oh it so there's this like place called kava bar it's on main street in saint charles yeah. and my friend and i we went, we were like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, whatever. It's not like, it's not anything that you can like get in trouble for, do whatever. Like sure. it's, it's just Kava. Like it's just like a, whatever. And the girl, you walk in, she's like super hippie type, you know, she's got like the, like pattern skirt and you know, whatever. She's got like a flower in her hair and I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> whatever. We walk in and we're like, we've never even 
seen this place, never heard of it, never, you know, whatever. And she was like trying to explain everything to us. And there's, I think there's like two different parts of it. There's like the Kava part of it. And then there's like the Kratom part of it. Okay. I think, I don't know enough about it. To, I don't know shit about Kratom either. I always hear people talk I, about it. I don't it. either. I don't either. But, and you always see those like CBD Kratom places. Right. So it's legal. Like it's not like it's like THC or anything, yeah. but it's, you know, I don't know. So anyways, we go into this place and she's like well our strawberry daiquiri kava is really good and we're like okay yeah two of those so we get them and like they are nasty <laughs> like it tastes like ground up like dirt in your drink yeah and we're like oh, okay and then she's like do you guys want like a kava shot and we were like i don't I don't know. <laughs> like, right. And she was like, well, did you guys eat before this? Like, whatever. And we, I was like, kind of. And my friend, she was like, I mean, like, uh, not really. And she was like, okay, well, you know, just like be careful if it's on an empty stomach, whatever. And we were like, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's kava. Like, what could, you know, right. whatever. So then we take these kava shots. And it's funny. They come in like a little, like, shot glass. And they give you like a slice of pineapple because it's nasty. Yeah. And they give you, like, the sweet whatever so you can, like, put it in your mouth, like, right after. Like, literally disgusting. I almost couldn't do it. What's the point of it, though? Is there, a, like, a reason? Like, obviously, like, so like hard think, alcohol tastes like shit, but it gets you drunk. Yeah, yeah. So, I think the cob, like, it, there's different parts of it, I think, that can do different things. And, like, some of it's for, like, your muscles and your body. And some of it's for, like, relaxation. And some okay. of it's for whatever. I don't know the specifics of it that much to even really speak on it, but it's along those lines. Like, okay. it's like a CBD type of thing. I see. Um, but, man, we took the shots of it, and it, they were literally disgusting. I gagged. <laughs> and, you know, we were like, okay, like, we were just sitting there, like, watching other people and just, like, talking, doing whatever. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, I feel pretty relaxed. But I'm like, is that just because I'm like sitting here just like chilling or is it because you know whatever and then there we're about to go meet like our friend somewhere else and i like get up to grab a water and i'm like oh man i do not feel good and it's not even like it's just like like nastiness that's yeah. what i feel you know and my friend her name's michael she she goes to the bathroom and she didn't even say anything. She didn't even say that she was like feeling bad or anything like that. But I'm like talking to the girl and just like the, the girl that works there or whatever. And we're about to leave. I'm like grabbing water and I'm like, man, I just don't feel good. And I didn't say anything because I felt bad, but like I didn't want her to feel bad that she, you know, whatever. And then Michael, she walks out of the bathroom and she goes, yeah, I just projectile vomited everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and wow. I was like, what? Like, I was like, okay, so you feel shitty too? And she was like, yeah, I feel awful. So we didn't even go to like where we were going to go. We just went and got canes. And then we went back to our friend Tommy's apartment. And Tommy was like, man, you guys don't look very good. Like, and we're like, man, it's just the kava. Like, what is this? Like, we didn't even know what it was. So then me, I'm like trying to eat. Cause I'm like, I need something in my stomach. So I'm trying to eat this, but my, like my head is spinning and I'm like, I could either puke or pass out at any second. Oh and it was the worst feeling I've ever had. And I, I was like, how this place fucking stays in business. Well, I was like, was it because we didn't eat before? Like it was like a like this apparently this doesn't happen to people that oh, like really yeah like this isn't supposed to happen like you're just supposed to feel relaxed and it's supposed to like that's it pretty much huh. so i was like 
how did this happen? Right. That's interesting. So we were like, never again. Anytime anybody ever says like, let's go to the Cabo Bar. I'm like, fuck no. I will never step foot in that place again. Right. I have like PTSD from that. But that's what. Ooh, it was disgusting. That sounds not fun. Yeah. But anyways, that just reminded me of like the dirt. Like, yeah. yeah. It was like gritty and like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. That's different but mushrooms are like that they're just really fucking gross like there's yeah. no it's just not good at all but like some people will make tea out of it mm-hmm. um i don't know what all people do like i said i don't know shit about it really but i just eat them i just put them in my mouth and fucking eat them <laughs> like you would eat a normal mushroom i don't eat normal mushrooms either yeah so. well eat it the way you did it anything yeah. but uh but i like i said i did i did two grams which is a i think that's a pretty average dose it's not a it's definitely not a high dose mm-hmm. it's definitely enough to be feeling completely different than you've ever felt in your entire life um the first time i did it was just in my living room i had read you by yourself no i was no way the first time i did it <laughs> that's why it took me so long to do it because i was so like I don't know what to expect. Like, how should I, you know, am I in the right frame of mind? Am I comfortable? And then did you overthink like who you were with? I overthought every aspect of it. And it was like one of my best friends who him and I are really, really close. And he's, um, he's also has like the ultimate, he's done every drug ever, (laughs) literally all like heroin, Oh my God. Yeah. He's, he's, that life is dedicated to helping people get clean and he's so been sober for years and he goes to AA meeting. Yeah. So he's not like a drug addict. He's a recovering drug addict basically, Mm -hmm. but he, um, he was, he was with me. He did him with me, which that's like, Sounds contradictory, as I say, he's a recovering drug addict and he's been X amount of years sober. Again, I don't count this as a drug. Like, I don't count it as as a what we would consider like a drug, like a recreate. He wasn't doing it. You're not doing it to get fucked up, although you right. will. But you're taking something from the experiences that you have when you do it. And that's what's important about it. And that's why. And it's again, it's a it's a mushroom. It's literally something that grows organically in the ground. It's not some like manufactured product that's being yeah. illegally distributed for people that could kill you or that this could... is probably such a stupid question, but where do people even find like the psilocybin mushrooms? Well, and, and uh, here's my stupid like, answer. Literally in nature, I mean. Good question. So I think <laughs> I think most people harvest them themselves. Now I have uh, no idea how they do that. Yeah. But um from what I understand, I think people just harvest them themselves and then sell them, but, or just use them or whatever. But, um, I have no explanation of how they do that. I don't have any clue. So, uh, whatever week it was two weeks ago, I think maybe on my senior day, like my whole extended family like came and surprised me and we had like a barbecue after whatever. And my, uh, one of my cousins and her husband, they were talking about, um, like things that they were going to do like over the summer or something like that. And they were going to go on like a mushroom, like excursion. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, like, tell me more. Yeah. Like, hmm. tell me more. Well then, then come to find out they're literally, I think it's just like, literally you're just hunting for like 
actual mushrooms. Yeah, I see. And how I was you do like, that. Okay. oh, that was not as exciting of a story <laughs> as I thought it was going to be. No. That's really fucking <laughs> and I was boring. Like, I kind of like avoided it because I was like, I don't know if they knew what I was talking about. Right, or right. I was like, I'm just going to let that one go. <laughs> Probably, you, you, I think you made the right choice. That's I was like, fucking hilarious. In my head, I was like, oh, not what I was thinking you guys were going to do. <laughs> not what I was thinking. I didn't think that's where I you know. were going with it either. A mushroom. I, I went on a fucking mushroom excursion uh they're what they're doing is boring um literal mushroom hunting yeah you're going into your baking plants but have fun if you guys are gonna do that and you're listening thumbs up guys uh i would highly recommend doing what i did that i call a mushroom excursion which is way cooler than that but so yeah the first one like i said i did it in my I, I didn't know what to expect so i wanted to just do it at home in my living room and just see how it went see what happened because like i said much earlier it's really really difficult to put in words what the experience is like yeah so you just don't know you have no idea even if you can listen to 100 people tell you stories about it you still don't really get <laughs> yeah, it that's scary yeah so i was like fuck i, I just want to do it in my living room with you know one of my best friends and you know one of a mutual friend of ours um, she was there too. She's done them before too. And I'm comfortable enough with her to where it was the same concept. And we just like watched fucking trailer park boys and shit. And it was hilarious. Like it made things so much funnier and more vivid. And it was like, I just had this like overwhelming feeling of uh, like euphoria. Just, I felt incredible. It was really the only way to really describe it. Are we still going? Yeah, okay. I just heard a beep, so I just got nervous. I think but Bruce is it is that? Whining. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. But then I was like, wait, what if it's a beep? Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, just like a really overwhelming feeling of euphoria, and it was like, it was really amazing. And then they kind of were like, well, we're gonna peace out, like we're gonna leave. And I was still with maximum highness. And they weren't. So yeah, there's more to the story. The the mushrooms that they took were not very potent they weren't stored mm. correctly so they got high but they weren't like me theirs were like it was a very watered down experience for them they weren't even expecting to do it at all but i was like if i'm gonna i'm not gonna do this by myself while you guys just sit there sober and watch me be a weirdo <laughs> you know so anyway they were just kind of like yeah we're gonna go and so they left and i was by myself and i at this point i was so high and i felt so fucking good that I was like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go somewhere. I'm gonna go do something. <laughs> like it's not like edibles. Like w- that's the only thing I had to compare it to, or to, to you know make assumptions about. I was like, I assume it's probably something like edibles because that's all I know. Yeah, edibles make me not want to ever go anywhere. It makes me paranoid to where like if I drive, I'm too scared to drive my car, or mm-hmm. I assume something bad's gonna happen. With this, it was like nothing bad could possibly happen i was you're that way, sounds like a, the beginning of like a terrible story it does a great story right right it to, i totally agree with you but but it, nothing bad happened the best way for me to describe it and i've heard other people describe it the same way is with mushrooms you're the driver with a certain other psychedelics you're the passenger interesting so you don't really when you're on like acid again i don't know from experience but from what i'm told you don't really have control of how it's going to affect you mm-hmm. and you're not as con- in control of what you're physically doing. Right. So like if you're on acid, apparently don't try to 
operate a motor vehicle. Because, well, yeah. But like with mushrooms, I'm not saying to take mushrooms and go drive your car. <laughs> but I did. And I was never more confident in my life. Like yeah. I, I was dry. I could drive probably as well or better than I could when I was sober. I literally distinctly remember driving directly past the cop and having zero anxiety about it. <laughs> I was just happy as fuck. Like I felt I was yeah. perfect. Like I said, I was fully in control of everything I was doing, but still had this overwhelming euphoric feeling. Every, all of like cool, everything that you enjoy is just heightened. Yeah. So, so is it, sorry to cut no, you off, good. but is it one of those things where I know with like certain things, like obviously don't have any experience with any of this shit, but yeah. like some of the things they tell you, like you can not do it like consecutively or like within a certain amount of time of itself because it'll like mess with your like serotonin levels and shit like that. That I'm not certain about, but I don't think so. Yeah. I'm not a hundred. Don't quote me on this. Right. But, but I, you know what I mean though? Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't think that it, it would have any ill effects if you were to do it frequently. Right. Well, as a matter of fact. Oh, well, people like. Microdose. Yeah, I was just, duh. That we had the same thought <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. There's, I, I know, I actually personally know some people who microdose daily. Yeah. But also at the same time, like going like full, not microdosing, but yeah. like the full thing. That'd probably be a little different. But Could be. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm not sure, but I, I still don't really think that it would have any negative effect on your body's natural production of those you know, serotonin. Well, yeah, and also like it's that. not like a man-made, like, substance or chemical that you're putting into your body, so it can be different. Correct. But. So, yeah, so my first experience was, like I, told, I was telling you, because I had Tool playing um, the band Tool. They're one of, they've been one of my favorite bands since I was a kid, but they have very, like, intense, psychedelic-type music, and it's a very kind of... I don't really know how to describe it. If you don't listen to Tool, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. But if you do, you totally understand. They're, like, very rhythmic, and there's a lot of visuals that kind of coincide with their music. And mm -hmm. anyway, they're they're a, a very thought-provoking. It's, like it's like Pink Floyd from, like, the 70s had this, like, psychedelic movement where people would do their drugs and listen to their music, and it kind of takes you on a journey. Tool's exactly like that, just more a little bit heavier and a little bit more intense, which actually, in my opinion, makes it even that much cooler. Mm -hmm. But it literally, as soon as I got in the car, I was like, oh, Tool, put on Tool, <laughs> instantly put on Tool, and oh, my God. God, I was like, I have, you can physically see goosebumps on my legs right now because of how incredible it made me feel listening to their music. It was like I was on a different fucking planet. But again, 100% in control of everything I was doing. Mm -hmm. So this all sounds really exciting. And this is the boring story of my mushroom experience. So about a month later, I was in Phoenix. I had a client competing at NPC USA's, which is one of if not the biggest amateur bodybuilding contest uh, in the country and I was out there for that and I have a, I have tons of friends in Phoenix so I got to see some friends and I kind of treated it as like a quick little couple day vacation once the show was over mm -hmm. and I had recently kind of gotten into hiking and stuff <laughs> I'm like a big avid hiker now but not with hiking 
gear. Yeah, hiking gear is the biggest scam in the entire fucking world. It's it's you just walk uphill, guys. You don't need a bunch of cool shit. Expensive. Stick. You don't need a stick. You don't need a backpack. You can that, find the stick on the side of the trail, right? Or wherever you are. You don't need a backpack that doubles as a water bottle with a hose that goes all the way into your mouth that you keep in there the whole time. And there's hiking boots are a scam. It's just shoes that are ugly, by the way. All of them. There's not one pair of good-looking hiking shoes. Anyway, I mean, literally, I did the second tallest peak in Phoenix, Arizona, which is, like, one of the biggest hiking destinations in the country. And there were, like, kids in vans and khakis doing this hike. So, it's like, you don't need all this shit. Um, And what were you wearing? I was wearing harachis that were untied. Like... (laughs) Not the furthest thing from a fucking hiking shoe. And I had, it was perfect. And I did it. I did this whole hike, blasted on fucking mushrooms. And it was genuinely the most incredible experience of my life. Um, The scenery, I mean, the scenery, if you're sober, would be unbelievable. It's incredible. But like, add the component of a psychedelic drug that just enhances everything tenfold the scenery just became i was like wow why this i'm not even on the same planet right now it was incredible um yeah like the the thing that i experienced and this was another thing that attracted me to the idea of psychedelics is the removal of the ego Mm -hmm. you hear a lot of people that was like a really recurring theme that you would hear watching videos and stuff and people's like firsthand accounts of, of, uh, psychedelics is that it just like, it separates you from your ego, which separating yourself from your ego is a really great way of reducing things like anxiety and depression. And cause a lot of your ego feeds all of that kind of shit, mm-hmm. you know, the self-consciousness that you have about anything, it's because of your ego thinking you're not, you know, you want to be this, person and if you're not exactly who you want to be it makes you feel less than and whatever and so I was like the idea of and for me I've always been a very very confident extremely borderline overconfident person to the point that I think a lot of people who don't know me well probably think I'm arrogant or cocky or whatever and I don't Mm -hmm. blame them for thinking that I don't think I'm that way at all but I don't think you are either right but I think some people who again who don't know me well perceive me that way and again that's fine. But either way, I was attracted to the idea of, of ego removal or mm-hmm. the distancing yourself from your ego or reducing your the presence of your ego. Right. And it has absolutely 100% definitely done that in the long term. But while I was on it, <laughs> opposite. Like, pol- pol- at least in my experience, it was polar opposite to the point where, like... I'm coming down the side of this fucking mountain. And it's not like in the Midwest where it's just like a paved trail that goes uphill and then occasionally maybe a little bit of a dirt trail. This is just a goddamn mountain. Yeah. There's kind of a, there's a little bit of a trail just because like the obvious places where you would step is just where people end up stepping and it creates its own trail a little bit, but it's a fucking mountain, man. Like it's not, they didn't, it's, they didn't create this trail. It's just, this is where you go. People kind of follow each other and it creates its own trail, but it's very, very unpredictable terrain. It's extremely steep. And it's, like I said, it's the second tallest peak. I don't know the Jamie, can you look up the height (laughs) of Piestawa peak? (laughs) 
we'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah, well, Jamie will let us know. Uh, it's it's really really fucking way up there. On my way down, so to add to what she was joking about when when I mentioned that I didn't use any hiking gear, boots, or anything like that, I I had these couple of buddies where I used to make fun of hiking gear and shit and like you guys take this shit way too seriously you spend all this money on useless nonsense and we like went back and forth and kind of attacked each other and they took it as me just making fun of hiking in general I'm like no hiking's fine just you don't need to you just walk uphill you don't need any gear for that it's free hiking is free and I still maintain that but anyway I'm coming down the hill like higher than a motherfucker yeah but again keep in mind fully in control if I would have been on weed, I would not have been able to do this. I was, that's another thing. It doesn't make you feel lethargic at all. That's mm-hmm. another thing that was hard to conceptualize because with weed, you obviously have that feeling of being lethargic. You have none of that with with mushrooms. So everything's heightened. And I was like in this incredible, like I felt invincible. So I'm like coming down this fucking mountain. And again, my ego was in full force at that time (laughs) to the point that I'm like hauling ass down this mountain with my phone, recording myself, talking shit to my friends (laughs) and posting it and tagging them on my story as I'm going down, like filming my untied Hirachis, just hauling ass down this super steep, unpredictable mountain. And like, Uh. After the high wore off and shit, I went back and watched my story and I was like, oh my fucking God, this is insane. How did I do that? I could just picture you literally sprinting like down this hill it's and then people are like just like watching you like zoom by like what the fuck is it up kind, with this guy? It, it kind of was literally like that. <laughs> um, but the craziest thing about it was like I had never in my life felt more confident that every step I was taking was perfect. And I and I didn't slip once. Like I didn't and I easily could have. Like we're talking yeah. about like loose rock and gravel and Right. No. I just kept I was at extremely fast pace going down this entire mountain and never took one misstep whatsoever. And I knew that I wouldn't like in my head, I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing (laughs) to the point that I didn't even have to look and could just talk shit into my phone about it. (laughs) You fucking guys spent $300 on these bullshit ass shoes. Here I am with my Hirachis on and filming my shoes going down, you know, like proving my point over and over and over. And, uh, so like that was the I don't know if that's my ego, but my confidence was like I've never had any have this kind of confidence to the point that I think I could do something that required a certain level of precision better than I would be able to sober. Like I think I could probably going back to like my basketball roots. I think if I were on mushrooms, I'd probably be better at basketball while on mushrooms. I truly believe that <laughs> I sh- I'm, I'll probably try it. <laughs> I really think I'm definitely going to try that. And just just what, by yourself? Or are you going to actually like play like 1v1 versus someone that's sober and see what happens? I haven't played actual 1v1 basketball in a long, long time. <laughs> so even, obviously, even sober. So I don't know. I'll probably just shoot around. I'll probably do it by myself. <laughs> I may just go up to like first form headquarters on their court because no one really uses it and just go up there and just shoot around and just see. But either way... Um, be like, hey, Andy, I'm just on shrooms right now, and I'm just gonna go shoot some baskets. Just don't mind me. He wouldn't care. He would think. That, <laughs> he would think that was. He would actually probably think it was really funny. Um, he'd probably ask a bunch of questions about it. <laughs> but I, uh, 
all that's like a fun story to tell. But like the point is that like since then to circle back to like the mental health aspect of your podcast, it's had, again, just two experiences at a moderate dose have had a absolutely profound um, effect on just me as a whole. And it's blatantly obvious. And I would attribute 100% of it to the mushrooms because there's literally no other. Yeah. There's well, no other. Explanation. And you said like you, you used to get like frustrated really easily and like get like triggered. Yeah. Like into like arguments and stuff like that. And you don't really do that anymore. I'm still, a, I'll always be a, an argumentative and opinionated person. Yeah. Um, especially but like on, things like don't bother you or that's what you said. Right. Yeah. So like there's specific things that, that would make me extra argumentative and, and, and the, it, triggered is actually a really good word for it. Like things that pertain to what I do for a living. So for example, I, a couple weeks before that Phoenix trip, I was in Orlando with another client competing at NPC nationals, which is the equivalent of NPC USA's that was in Phoenix. Those are the two biggest one mm-hmm. a and one B biggest amateur bodybuilding shows. And I had a client in that one in Orlando, him and I've been friends for over a decade. We've, we got into the sport at the same time. We've trained together the whole time, not consistently, but off and on. We talk almost every day and he finally hired me to help, you know, to prep him for that show. And so I went out with him and, uh, he did really well. He placed, he took sixth out of like 30 something in his class, like to place, if you're in the first call out, which I won't go into detail about what the fuck that means. It's a good thing. We'll just say that Mm -hmm. if you're in the first call out at a a top tier national show, like you're, you're a bad motherfucker. Like you're knocking on the door of becoming a a pro. And he, he was, he was in the first call out. It's a huge accomplishment. It was really cool. It's a feather in my cap as a coach Mm -hmm. and whatever. And so that's the, you know, that was the outcome of the show. And just like, I don't know, probably two months ago now, the show was in November, but about two months ago from right now, he reached out to me, Tim, my client and friend reach out. And he was just like, Hey, uh, listen to this shit. And I'm like, all right, yeah, what? (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) So there's this, like, there's this other prep coach in town. And when I say prep coach, I'm using that term very loosely because this guy's a fucking clown. He has no business prepping anybody. He, frankly, I would love to have him on the show with me so that on my own podcast and just expose how big of a fucking idiot this guy is. You should, you should, like, line that up. I should do it. It'd be entertaining as fuck because he's clueless. He has no <laughs> idea what he's doing. He's never been in shape himself. He's never competed himself. Interesting. No credentials whatsoever. He's basically just a fucking scam artist. Um, we are un- in no way equals whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He thinks that we are. He views me as competition. I view him as a nobody. But what he does is he, like, takes credit for shit that he has nothing to do with. He reaches out to other people's clients and tries to poach them into hiring him. Like this is his whole scam. Like this is how he gets clients. Um, anyway, Tim reaches out to me and he was, I'm not going to use this guy's name just because I really want to, frankly, but I'm just not going to, cause who cares? Mm-hmm. But anyway, Tim was like, this person, this other coach is literally going around telling people that he prepped me for nationals. <laughs> and, Prior to the mushrooms, 
even the day before I took those goddamn mushrooms, if he would have told me this, I would have been like, how do you know? Like, I would have made sure that it was accurate. How do you know that? Who told you that? Did they hear him say it? Blah, blah, blah. Like, Mm -hmm. and then I literally would have fucking approached him personally and been like, listen, motherfucker, you're not going to go around taking credit for my fucking work. Don't go telling people that you prepped him. Don't go doing this or that. That's fucking bullshit. I would have called him out publicly on my Instagram page, tagged his name in it and been like, this motherfucker is telling people this and that. Like, it was just stuff that would, it just makes me really, really mad because I've worked really, really hard to get to where I am in this industry and to take some dipshit who has no clue what he's talking about to try to take credit for something that I was responsible for right really fucking gets under my skin yeah when tim told me this i was just like all right <laughs> who who said that and he told me he told me and i was just like okay <laughs> and it's funny because tim was expecting me to like get like, fired blow up. up yeah he expects me to get really really pissed and i was like i just didn't care i was like i don't care whatever people know that it, i worked with you yeah. And at the end of the day, that's how it, it it's how it is. Like every single. <laughs> and that's how it would have been either way. Yeah. Every single, put it this way. Every single person who knows that guy already knew about me. Therefore, they all knew that I prepped him. So like anyone who he's telling, if they actually believe him, they're completely irrelevant and they have nothing to do with the sport and it would have no effect on my life whatsoever. And if they were involved in the sport, they would know he's full of shit. So at the end of the day, it didn't matter. And it, I didn't even need to rationalize all that. All I, I just didn't, it didn't phase me at all. It's like, okay, let him tell whoever he wants, whatever he wants. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. Even more recent one. Um, this is weird that I'm even going to be talking about this, but. Because uh, this is even since the the first attempt at this episode. Uh, Ooh, new info. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing that I've always had really serious things, like something that makes me feel very insecure and something that I'm honestly even to be able to talk about this on on here comfortably is another attribute of these fucking mushrooms because I normally wouldn't. But something that I've always had like extreme anxiety about that's given me like this extreme sense of insecurity and whatever is anytime I go through a breakup, I, I have this horrific anxiety that they're going to find someone else and they're going to be happier than they were with me or even just happy in general. Of course I want them to be happy, but like the thought of them finding a new person. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Like, it's like uh, crippling like that. That's yeah. like the most horrific thought that I used to ever have. So is it like, is it like a jealousy thing or is it just like a, oh, I miss that type of thing? All of the above, I think. Okay. It's definitely jealousy. I will be perfectly transparent and say that jealousy plays a yeah. huge role in it. And again, that's an ego thing. Yeah. But is it even with people that you like wouldn't want to be with anymore? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's a hundred percent an ego thing where like, yeah. like if they, what if she, what if we break up and she finds a guy that makes more money than me mm-hmm. or if he's better looking than me or he's the, who, who knows? Right. I don't know. It doesn't really matter who it is. Right. If they find another person and they are happy and they move on, that just was like a crippling. It just gave me this. It was it was horrific. Like the breakup itself never really 
I mean, it bothered me. I'm not going to say it didn't bother me. Any breakup I've had, they're always, they're not, not fun. Everyone can relate to that. But it's the crippling anxiety that I would have beyond that, wait, just waiting for that day to find out. Yeah. Or someone send me a screenshot of her and a guy or, yep. you know what I mean? That was always, I hate that people do that, too. I do, too. And I've had that experience multiple times. It's just like, why? Why would you send me that? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need It'll to see fuck that. Up. Yeah. It just, <laughs> in, in, so, uh, I had those feelings all this, the whole time. And, you know, the mushroom, like, again, I, I don't want to make it just about the mushrooms, I guess. But, <laughs> but I can say that, like, this just fucking happened just recently. I just found out that my ex ha- is in a new relationship, like a committed. It's not just like we started talking kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. She's fully committed in a public relationship with another person. And I always dreaded finding that out. Like, and apparently it's actually been going on for a few months and I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, but I finally did know and I like saw pictures and stuff and I was like, it stung. I'm not going to say I was just right. like, cool, good for her. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. It like stung for a little bit. It kind of fucked up my afternoon. But then it was like, I'm good. This is fine. Good for her. Like, I'm happy for her. It's, yeah. it's good. I hope it's a good thing. Um may or may not be i don't know i don't know anything about the guy good riddance i hope he's a good dude i hope he treats her right but it's it's truly yeah. not anytime that this has happened to me in the past prior to the mushrooms it would i'd be devastated and depressed for months at a time really yeah huh mm. well that must be a good feeling then that it's it is that you're not <laughs> it is and like i said the only the only variable between now and any other experience with it is and and let's also let me point out that her and i had broken up multiple different times mm-hmm. um i don't need to go into a lot of detail she's an amazing person i love her to death but we just didn't really work out there was nothing right, bad right. that caused any of these breakups but it happened from time to time and there was another time where this exact same thing happened with her, same person. We had been broken up for a long, like, six months, I'll say, I guess. I'm guessing, mm-hmm. estimating there. And uh, I had found out that she was just seeing a guy. Like, wasn't even actually, to be honest with you, they had never had never even met. He lived in California. They mm-hmm. just, But they talked on the phone every night, and, like, they mutually, like, talked about being into each other, and they yeah. talked about visiting each other. They never actually went through with it and even did it. That even fucked me up. And literally, I'm trying to think of the exact time frame, but it was, honestly, that happened very shortly before the mushrooms. <laughs> and it totally fucked me up. Change, yeah, that's crazy. To the point that, like, we, her and I were talk, like, communicating again, not talking, talking, but, like, mm-hmm. and I was, like, trying to convince her that this was a bad idea. He lives in California. You're never, it's never going to work. You know, you got kids. You're not going to, you can't move. Like, he's not going to move here from, the, like, I'm, like, talking her out of it because I was, it <laughs> fucked me up so bad. Yeah. Um, And then with this exact same person, another six months later or so, give or take, the same now she's in a real relationship and I've seen pictures of them together and I'm like, alright, this yeah. sucks for an afternoon, but like I hope she's happy. I hope they're both happy, you know? Right. And so again, the only variable between those two experiences was that I did two grams of mushrooms twice. <laughs> it's like that's there's something to be said about that. 
Um, you know, there are other things too, but those I would say are probably the two most profound things that I can definitely say I would definitely attribute to the usage of mushrooms because there's no other, those behaviors have never come up any other time in my life. So, Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. So, I mean, it, I'm 100% intend to continue doing these things occasionally. I fully intend to go down that hallway and do that DMT at some point. <laughs> Who knows if that's a year from now, but <laughs> I know I, I really, now that I've done mushrooms, at least I have had one or I've had two psychedelic experiences. It's like, I should just fucking do it. But again, it's a different thing. And so I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I just don't really DMT the way you were talking about like doing the ayahuasca and stuff is like, that's way, way different and very complicated to be able to mm-hmm. pull off. Whereas this, it's like a cultural thing too, for sure. And I would love to do it, Yeah, but that's like, you're going to have to go to South America and you're going to yeah. have to do a lot. It's, there's a lot of involvement. Whereas this, I can literally just inhale this shit once and, <laughs> and it's done deal. Um, Slightly different. And DMT, pure DMT is way different than doing ayahuasca. It's like you said, it's like, it's the difference of like several hours of an experience versus 10 minutes. But apparently people say that like the 10 minutes feels like a lifetime. lifetime. Yeah. That's another thing that would made me very, very fascinated is that you, you're so... I don't know if you're aware of this, but some I'm sure a lot of the listeners probably won't be. DMT stands for dimethyltryptamine, and it's something that our brain already produces. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really not a – it is technically it's a drug, but it's also really not. But it's found in nature in, like, random places that, right. like, there's no explanation for it. Correct. And not only that, our body – endogenously makes it like so our brains it's basically what happens when you dream is your body's producing an excess amount of dmt that's why you have dreams but because you're in an unconscious state when you're asleep that's why you have trouble remembering them and dreams aren't very vivid and things like that so when you do dmt it's the best and again i've never done it so i don't know but from what I understand, I think the best way to articulate the experience is like, well, let me just ask you this. Have you ever, do you, how often do you have dreams that you could even wake up right away and tell the detailed description? Okay. Of it? You know, what's weird is like normally never, yeah. like never. But the other day I fell asleep on the couch in my basement, whatever. And I was like, out like I was out but I kept waking up like every two hours but I was every time I was asleep I was completely out it was so weird and I remember thinking that I'm like I'm sleeping really well but I keep waking up and I don't know why like whatever it was just a weird whatever and I would wake up and for like maybe a minute I would remember the dream that I was just having Mm -hmm. in that like two hour span of time and I was like, fuck, that's so vivid. Like, I've never, you know, like, I've had, like, the dream, like, kind of there. Or, like, I'll remember part of it, like, later on in the day. Or I'll be like, did I dream that? Or was that, like, a real thing? You know, whatever, stuff like that. I feel like a lot of people have that. But this time, I, like, 
I remembered it like vividly and I was like, oh my God, I need to like write that down. Yeah. So I like put it in my notes app and I actually read it today because that was two days ago and I read it today and I was like, this makes no fucking sense. Right. And I remember thinking like, this is amazing that I remember this vividly and it made sense and I like knew the people in it and whatever. And I was like, I'm going to remember this. Right. Like, especially because I wrote it down, like now I'm going to remember it. So, but then today I like remember having the dream. I remember like waking up and writing it down. I remember like that it was so vivid and like the people in it, but I have no idea what was, what it was about. And even when I read my note, it doesn't make sense. That was what I was going to ask. I'm like, I was going to ask, like when you go back and read what you wrote about it, does it bring back the memory? of the dream or like a little just... bit but just in pieces so it's not so that's exactly my point is that it's and here's my here's the other thing is can is it okay so you've already you you went as far as to fucking write down right after you had this dream and write down what you experienced in this dream which no one ever fucking does that yeah that's like the most extreme version you had a really really vivid dream which is really rare to begin with and you literally remember to immediately write it down. So yeah. now looking back, if you were to describe this, I'm not going to ask you to. But <laughs> I don't know if I could. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's this is what I mean about psychedelics and not being able to verbally describe the experience to people. Yeah. And wow, that was a really good example. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like it's it's the same thing. So DMT is literally what your brain actively produces to put you in a dream state. Mm -hmm. And now you're just awake and doing yeah. exogenously. So do these people remember it. it, though? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they all remember it. I, from what I understand, they all remember it, but they have no way to put it in words. Right, right. Like, I remember watching there was like this video series these people did on YouTube. There, it's it's definitely still there. I don't know how to find it, but it's probably just vaguely type in <laughs> what I'm describing. But they took these people, uh, these um, writers, like authors, people who were extremely good at vividly describing things. I mean, uh -huh. that's what, when you're, when you're a writer, that's what you do, especially like fiction. Right. Right. They, they have to paint a picture to make a good story. And so like, you're taking people who are elite in, in the concept of describing things and had them do DMT to try to get the best explanations we could possibly get. Oh, of interesting. That and they still are just like, so <laughs> I don't know how to fucking explain it. Like, yeah, again, I don't know because I've never done it, but them attempting to ex explain these experiences, you don't learn anything because they yeah. don't fucking even those people don't know how to tell you what it's like. Just like you don't know how to tell me what that vivid ass dream was like, because mm -hmm. um, it's the it's pretty much the same concept, like except it's one is being produced by your brain. The other is being produced by inhaling the drug that triggers it in your brain. So you're awake. That's the thing about DMT. When you take it, you kind of just like inhale it and close your eyes and lay your head back and wait until it's over. You're not like actively doing anything. Mm. You're like conscious, but not conscious. It's, I think it's kind of like the float thing, like mm -hmm. where you're in like almost like a meditative state where you're technically not asleep, but you still don't know you're not doing anything. Right. You're having all these experiences in your brain. And again, they're so bizarre that you can't explain it. Like, for example, one of the things that turned me on to the idea was the complete loss of the sense of time and space. Mm hmm. 
we can't conceptualize that because everything that we know is finite. Like there's a distance between me and that wall. And we've been doing this podcast for two hours and 25 minutes. Like, (laughs) but when you're on DMT, there is no such thing as two hours and 25 minutes. It's just, yeah. You know, what's interesting though, too, is like people that are like monks and they have studied the art of meditation, stuff like that. They can get to that point just through meditation too. Right, right, right. Which is wild to me. It's, that's why, and again, I'm not going to pretend like I know any things I don't, but I think it's a similar concept as these float tanks. That's what, Mm -hmm. that's what turned me on to the float tanks was the idea that you could get into a state where you're almost like, having visions or hallucinations or like the you know yeah you're 100 percent sober and and awake yeah right and so so i kind of experienced that on a very very small level And, and i wasn't sober when i did i was on weed you know i was i was on edibles so i wasn't even sober so to to imagine that there are people who are capable of just sitting there yeah and getting into that mind state it's crazy organically is it's insanely impressive And you know what's a weird thought that I've always had, but I've never like said it out loud. And I always think about these people that just go to these places to become monks. Like you don't have to stay a monk. Like you can, you know, you can learn the ways and like learn like the Buddhist, like be in the moment type of thing. Like that whole whatever that interests me a lot. I think it would be so cool to go fucking be a monk for a little bit you know yeah no that is a it's a really interesting thought and people come back and their lives are changed and they learn so much in such a short amount of time i mean you know it takes a special kind of person to be a monk we'll just start with that like not everybody can do it no i'm sure i couldn't but I don't don't know if I could do it. I think it would be interesting. And I think it would be like a, almost like a challenge, which they probably don't want you to like see it that way. No, I'm sure they don't. But (laughs) I do like, oh, I I could be a monk. Like, yeah. The thing is, is like anybody that would probably go through with it, like you're describing, I could see a large percentage of those people just probably getting in through the process just converting and being like staying right that way. that's probably why you don't hear about it a lot but there's a guy what's his name it's like jay something he has a podcast he's pretty pretty famous for it jay i don't know anyways i just listened to his podcast the other day with will smith and it was so interesting yeah so interesting and like just will smith's like view of spirituality and like everything that he puts into his life and like the buddhist like practices and stuff he doesn't mm-hmm. classify himself as anything i don't right. think but um this jay guy god i can't remember his last name whatever um he was a monk like he went wow. and did the whole thing and he was a monk for a certain amount of time i don't know a ton about him but it, like now he has the number one health podcast in the world because he has all these interesting people on his podcast and he talks about all the things that he learned as a monk and yeah it's wild it is wild it's super cool it's honestly it reminds me of the concept of psychedelics anyway it's totally different in practice but yeah i think the outcome seems like it would be relatively similar where because right. like I said I've done 
and I've repeated myself like 500 times on this, but like <laughs> I've done two very moderate doses of one individual, the most popular and widely used psychedelic drug. Mm-hmm. And even that has had a, like I described, a very profound impact on my life and my mental state, my emotional state. So it's like multiply that by a lot. Like if you were to go through an, the like entire process yeah, of like becoming a monk and becoming a person who's that in tune with their own, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't I don't articulate know, that. Yeah. I don't even know like the whole process of <laughs> that or like what that entails, but you know, and I think a lot of people, Obviously, you go into it for like the intuitiveness of yourself and all that stuff. But I think the people that come out of it and like teach other people that and put that into everyday life is so interesting. For sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Man, there's a lot of fucking really interesting stuff out there. And it's like it's really easy to get caught up in you're just typical day to day. I got to wake up and go to work today. I got to go to school today. I got this and that. I got to train today and then I got to get work done and then I'm going to watch Netflix and go to bed. And there's just so, so, so much shit out there. That's so much more interesting. And yeah, it almost makes me anxious. Like the amount of things I want to do in my life. Like, am I going to have enough time? And like, am I wasting my time right now? Like, you know, even I found myself, especially recently, like this whole like shutdown thing, like in the past year, I'm on my phone so much. It's disgusting it's, how much I'm on my oh phone. Oh my God. And then I get like the screen time notifications and I'm like, all right, just don't like, yeah, that's embarrassing. I so like what that. else could I be doing in this time? You know? And they're like, it almost makes me anxious and this is a thing that I've been dealing with for a long time, like living in the moment and being appreciative for what is happening right now and like where I'm at right now, because I always look forward to the next thing. And I, anybody who knows me knows that I get so fucking psyched for like the next thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm there, I'm like, okay, what's next? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of just like the in between of like, okay, like I'm here, like I need to like cherish this moment right now i think that's an amazing way to live life though i think that's a really awesome way to live life because you're never i don't think that anyone should ever feel satisfied i think everyone should feel there's a difference between happiness and satisfaction yeah we should all strive to always be happy even you know even in moments when you have you know momentary periods where you're not where something bad happens and you're unhappy but as a whole, you should still be in a happy place, but satisfied is a totally different thing. And I think if you're satisfied, that's when you're not making any progress. Mm -hmm. You're just just content being like mediocre. Exactly. You're just, you're just, again, that's when you're just caught up in the, okay, I got to be up at this time tomorrow to do this, 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 and this, and then finish the night watching my shows and go back to bed. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to fall into that because there's, it's, There's nothing. Yeah. Well, and it's not to say that, like, that's not necessary at times. Sure. Like, sure, it is to attain your goals and do whatever. Like, I've had to do that for the past couple months just to, like, graduate and, like, get through whatever. But if I had to do that my whole life. It'd be miserable. Oh, my God. I would. Oh. (laughs) So the cool thing for you, though, is 
I guess I shouldn't say that the career that you've chosen, although technically it should be if that's what you get your degree in, <laughs> that's a really open-ended ed- form of education and a career path that will allow you to do anything right? and make your work a part of whatever experience you decide you want to fucking have. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what your plans for photography are or what they're going to end up being or, or whatever, but the next thing that you're that you end up being focused on could also be applied in your the your work and what yeah. you how you make a living not a lot of people can say that yeah well and i think it's cool too with photography like you said there's so many open-ended like ways of going about it that it's not just like Oh, you got into like a management position at your corporate job. Like, that's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not having to show up at work and clock in at eight and do a bunch of tasks that someone told you to do by five and then clock out at five and go home. And you absolutely could do that with photography, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I would advise for you definitely not to do that. Oh, I am not the type of person to do that. Neither am I. That's why I have all of my work in my home and I do it on my own. That's why it's whatever fucking time it is. I have no idea what time it is. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's that's my whole thing is like I, I do my work on my own time. And if I really if there's something else that I want to do this pot, well, not this podcast, this is yours. <laughs> My podcast is is an example of that. It's like, okay, I've done the coaching thing. I've done the bodybuilding thing. I've done it long enough. I've been pretty successful with it. I need to, and part of this is also just like a, not just like a explorative thing. It's also just like a, me trying to advance myself as an individual. Mm -hmm. So the podcast was the next step. Now, do I have any plans of the podcast, like making me any money or anything? Like I'm not delusional i would love for it to get to that point but right is it going to it's probably not likely but either way it's still a, it's it's still a thing that i had never done before that i'm highly interested in that i wanted to do so i'm fucking doing it and it's really gratifying to just do that yeah it is well i think especially the big part of it for me too is like even in my first one i just like talked myself whatever and that was like super healing and whatever but also just having intellectual conversations with someone else like this everything for yeah. me yeah yeah it's the, i could thrive off of this like only, that's why we're going <laughs> we're gonna end up doing right. like a three-hour podcast <laughs> no that's exactly that's a, the, one of the biggest motivating factors for me and i think that's something that's lost in today's society we how I mean it's being in school and still like playing soccer and stuff. You still have a lot of interaction, individual interactions in person with people. Like when you get out of that, when you're not in school and you're not playing, well, you're still going to be playing soccer. But I'm not. I'm not playing mm-hmm. a team sport anymore, and I don't go to school. So there are days like if I have a day where I don't have any clients to physically train in person, which happens pretty commonly. Don't have human contact. Nope, none. Yeah, I have my dogs only. And you that's go to it. Quick Trip too. I do talk to the Quick Trip cashiers <laughs> and stuff, so there's that. But they're literally trained not to have conversations with you and get shit done quick. So even that doesn't even count. The, that conversation is: Do you need a bag or a receipt? Nope. Okay. See ya. 
Thanks. You know, like, so all of of overwhelming majority of human interaction takes place on a phone. Right. It's not the same as having a conversation in person. You can't have like there's no even like FaceTiming someone is not the same thing as having a conversation. When I'm FaceTiming with people, I'm also doing seven other fucking things. Right. I'm not even really paying attention to that. (laughs) Right. Like I, I have a client who I who she lives in Kansas City. We're really, really close friends, but she lives in Kansas City and she's competing um, in like a week and a little over two, a little under two weeks from now. And she like wants me to watch her posing sometimes. She's like, you know, wants me to critique her posing and look at her and shit. And so we'll like FaceTime cause it's the only way to do it. And like, I'm paying attention. I'm doing my job to like, is I don't need to do much. I don't even need to do that at all. Technically it's not even really a part of my job, but because we're good friends, I go mm-hmm. the extra, the extra mile or whatever. But like, I'm not really paying that much attention. I'm like literally on my computer doing actual work and kind of glancing over like, yeah, no, that looks good. That's not a conversation. You know, right. like if texting, you're the, it's the least important thing you're doing when you're texting someone is the having that conversation. The coolest thing about a podcast is that there truly are zero, like I'm talking into this thing and it's connected to the thing that's on your fucking ears. There's nothing else you can do. Right. You know, like my voice is directly attached to your fucking ears. <laughs> so like it is the most, the purest form of conversation you could possibly have because there's no way to be distracted by anything else. Right. And that is like an insanely therapeutic thing. Definitely. Well, and you know, it scares me too. My brother, he's 13 and like, it scares me in the future. Like these kids, like he can hold a conversation, whatever. I mean, he's at the age where he thinks he's too cool for me, whatever, for sure. but you know, <laughs> he is too cool for me. Yeah. It's fine. Um, but yeah, like the, even the generation like under that, like already having phones and shit. I had a phone in fifth grade, but that was the only reason was because my parents were divorced. Mm-hmm. Nobody else had a phone. The only people I was calling was my parents. Like yeah, when I, mean- I was at, you know, I didn't get a phone until I got my driver's license. Yeah. So, and these kids now they have phones and they're like eight years old. Yeah. Like, are they ever going to be able to have full blown conversations they're genuinely? Gonna, no, I think they're definitely going to be way like below stunted. The, I totally agree. I think they already are. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, one of my close friends, mom was like a social worker and they, she had like, I don't know if this was hers or like the organization she worked for, or if this is just a commonly used phrase, but they called like young kids. I don't know what age group is specifically, but they called them the quiets because they don't really yeah. talk. They're always just glued to an, like a phone or an iPad or, yeah, and they're always doing something interactive on that and they don't really communicate well. I remember going into, this is going to sound really foreign to you and anyone listening probably even people my age but this would i'm gonna go back probably five years ago so not that long ago the gym i used to train at in south city was right down the street from a place called fye for your entertainment is what that stands for and Mm -hmm. it's just it was a music store like uh they sold dvds like um like used and new DVDs, CDs, um, like 
music merchandise and stuff, but like primarily, like a majority of the store was made up of just racks of fucking CDs. Hmm. Again, new and used, and it was my favorite place to go. And it, CDs were already outdated at this point. Hardly anyone really even listened to CDs because they were already. You were either using an iPod or you were already streaming music by that point. People were using, like, at that point, Pandora was kind of on top. But I didn't even have any streaming services. I just still only listened to CDs. And I would go to FYE probably a minimum of once a week, sometimes multiple times a week, just because I loved the feeling of just physically being in a music store and the excitement of, like, finding a really cool album that you Mm -hmm. weren't even thinking about or... All kinds of shit. I still have all kinds of that stuff. Um, I was really into getting like music DVDs, like live performances and stuff. I, I fucking love that shit. And now, of course, you just go on YouTube on your TV and watch it. Right. Um, but uh, so, again, I was this was more of a nostalgic thing for me. But I just remember I would go in there and the employees loved when I came in because I always like bullshitted with them. I would talk to them. I'd kind of get to know them. And like, Mm -hmm. I'd ask questions like, do you guys, you know, I'm looking for this album and I don't see it here, but I feel like it's probably here. Can you look up in your system and see if it's somewhere just hidden and I'll just, I'll look harder for it. Like, so I would end up getting into these conversations with them and they all fucking loved me. And they, there was at least one, I want to say I had this conversation more than once, but it was at least one guy that I remember that was just like, bro, I fucking love when you come in here because everyone else that comes in here, it's like, they don't want to have a, they don't want to talk to you. They get Mm -hmm. nervous. If I approach them and ask them like, is there anything I can help you find? They're just like, no, 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 I'm good. Yeah. Stop talking to me. I don't know how to communicate. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) text me, you know, (laughs) it it almost gave me the idea, which would be obsolete anyway, because these like physical brick and mortar stores are becoming obsolete anyway, but like, and and everything, not even like, right. Yeah. There's not even go to any mall, all of everything, go to South County mall right now. (laughs) Yeah. Three quarters. Chesterfield's even worse. Chesterfield's gone. They have tennis courts in the middle of the mall. (laughs) I know. I went in there. There's, there's one like, like a sneaker sneaker store. store. Yeah. I've been there too. Yeah. It's pretty dope. But like, that's the only reason I went and I walked and I used to work in Chesterfield mall. No, Oh, at Buckle? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why did you have to call me out like that? You said it. Now people know that I work at the Buckle. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. That doesn't even match you at all. No, I know. I know, I know. That's so funny. I try to erase that type of I could see you working in there with like the the bejeweled jeans. (laughs) I had some. I definitely had some. And to be open-minded to all product. But, uh, but oh yeah, so God. I worked for about 10 months. I worked at the Chesterfield Buckle. This was in, like, 2009 and 10 or so, somewhere in that range. And it was a pretty shitty mall even then. But, like, I heard about this sneaker place, so I was like, I'll go to Chesterfield. And I went in, and I saw the, like, courts in there. I was like, what the fuck? Every is a ghost town. I couldn't even really, like... I didn't even remember my way around there very well. I didn't know where to park. Yeah, there's no stores anymore. So it's like, that was what guided me everywhere. You have to walk through the Cheesecake Factory almost to get in that place. Yeah. Very strange. You know what would be cool, though? Is, you know, remember the Mills Mall? I, uh, yes, but I I can genuinely say I've never been to the Mills Mall. Really? I don't know why. So... (laughs) 
Probably because it's far and it, I lived in St. Charles. Oh, you, oh okay. My well, parents live in St. Charles. Yeah. So, anyways, they had they already had this when the mall was open, yeah. but they had like the go kart thing and like the um like the golf and everything like that. You could easily turn in like turn an abandoned mall into like a sick go kart place. Yeah, I'm sure he could. Probably be really badass. <laughs> yeah, it would. I just, It'd be like a video game. I just don't know the logistics of how much money it would take to keep it open. Right. Versus how much you would have to charge people to keep it <laughs> oh, keep it alive. 100 bucks for the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's I don't know. It is a sick concept. I've always thought about that cuz there's been multiple malls that have taken a complete shit. Or I've, even like Making it into, like, a sick skate park, which the mills used to have, too, when it yeah. was open. But, like, a just a gigantic indoor skate park. Do you know how many kids would pay to come use that and, like, just hang out? The other thing is, like, they're not using it for anything else. So right. it's like, why not just turn it into something that and you there, don't even have to pay There's for. also, like, this old abandoned church downtown that's now a skate park. Uh, no, I'm aware of that. Yeah, yeah. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I'm, like, graffiti all over it. Like, people do, like, music videos and, like, photo shoots in there, yeah. too. And then people are obviously there just, like, skating all day. I think that's a really awesome, awesome thing. Not that I have any interest in skating, but I think that that's, like... There needs to be more shit like that because we're, we're moving into a time period where like infrastructure is becoming less and less important. Mm -hmm. We really saw that exposed during the pandemic. Yeah, like, have you seen downtown St. Louis even just with houses? Yeah. It's wild. You, well, we've we've exposed the fact that like businesses don't need these giant office yeah. buildings. You can do everything from home almost. That's like worldwide technology. Yeah. Like I don't think I have two of my closest friends. Well, they're married to each other, but yeah. one of my closest friends and her husband who I've become friends with, they work for worldwide and they've worked from home. And I don't think they'll go back. I don't think that they, they, they could have already gone back and they don't, haven't. So yeah. I don't know that they will either. You're right. Um, I think that's a lot of office setting jobs. You don't need this giant but you know this giant infrastructure anymore you can and just do it virtually people are more productive there's studies that they people are more productive at home correct yep so again it's more beneficial for the company they don't have to waste a shitload of money paying for this massive office space people are more productive not doing that but again that also keeps you in that that no interaction with humans. Yeah, it's probably not great for people's mental health. Agreed. So there's like some good and some bad. Mm -hmm. It's just like you kind of, kind of have to get. But then we're just gonna bit. have to make like things for people to do like outside of their jobs, and you know, so like they would have their thing at home, and then they would go to. Who even knows? Because well, then they would get their work done quicker and then they could go do all these other things that, you know, whatever. So the there, thing. there's I think what it could easily do is create a the standard 40 hour work week could become 30 hours or something because you have to factor in like you're eliminating the commute, mm -hmm. the walk from your car into the building and up the elevator and. Your lunch Le break. Yeah, leaving and going yeah. somewhere for long. There's so many different complete wastes of time that you're eliminating. Not that your commute would be con 
you know, contributing to your hours at work. But either way, you have a lot more time on your hands. So there's ways that I guess you could work your way around it. But I still don't think a lot of people would. Mm-hmm. And people would just get comfortable in their house and still never leave and never interact with people. And yeah. So either way, I think there's there's some good and bad about it. But whatever. it's interesting to me too, though, because like, sure, I'll get my stuff done at home, but I am one hundred percent more productive if I go to like a coffee shop or something. Because that's how I used to. I used to definitely when I started my business. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. When I started my business, I was working. I was working for a gym simultaneously to doing my own thing at first. And I had an office at the gym where I did nutrition for people. And I was way more, when I was in the office, I was just there to work. So I got work done. And then when I left that gym, I really desperately, I thought I for sure needed an outside off. I needed an office that wasn't in my house. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like seeked that out. I went through all these negotiations with people and all this shit. It was a long, boring fucking story. But because I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this from home. Like Mm -hmm. there's just no possible way I'm going to get anything done. And again, this was not super long ago, but it was long enough ago to where we like my girlfriend at the time who I lived with, uh, we didn't even have Wi-Fi at the house. Like the like 4G mm-hmm. on our phones was in our phones were perfectly usable on the Internet, just like any other time. And we didn't have like we didn't have Netflix. Yeah. We didn't require the Internet to watch TV. Mm-hmm. And so we just didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't need it for any reason unless you wanted to get on the Internet on a laptop, which neither one of us ever needed to do. And so I was literally worried about paying the $60 <laughs> a month for Wi-Fi. I was like, I'd rather just get an office because I'll be more productive anyway. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um they probably need to go out. Probably. It's been a while. <laughs> we'll, we'll finish this up. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, I, it, I was willing to pay $400 a month for an office space thinking I was going to be exponentially more yeah. productive. It turned out like it, things just kept falling through. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just get Wi-Fi. <laughs> so we got like paid 60 bucks or whatever it was you're for Wi-Fi. You're saying like 300 plus dollars yeah, and you're like, so God much damn money. it. Exactly. I was like pissed. And then I... I still wasn't that productive at home though. And then over time I got better at it and honed it in. And now I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be as productive if I wasn't at home. Yeah. So I think it's like, I think it's a learned behavior over time, but initially I wasn't, I wasn't as productive, but now I am. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, that was, yeah. It was a lot. That was probably way better than the first one. I think you're right. Yeah. I think we, I think we covered less topics, but, it was more concise and more interesting. <laughs> I think this was definitely, we, we just needed a practice run. That's yeah, all. for sure. That's perfect. All right. Well, thanks. Fuck yeah, we'll do this again sometime. Definitely. At least this one recorded, though. What did it? Hey, it fucking worked.